Kayla, maybe you could tell us about why you wanted to watch Empire Records for this and, episode. And what your other two choices were. Okay, so my other two choices were also Gen X movies, um, either Reality Bites or Can't Hardly Wait. Um, I just really like this um, era of movies. Sure, it's hard sometimes watching them with a 2020 lens, but and it makes me really, really want a cigarette because like everyone is smoking and usually indoors <laughs> and I've quit. But um, I just there's something so special, I think, about that that era. And even though I was pretty young, um, my brother was around that age where like he was a teenager during this time. And so were, like my older cousins and that's mostly who I hung out with. So I got to kind of, you know, experience it secondhand a little bit through them and kind of think like, idolize it in a way like, oh, this is what, you know, the teenage and high school experience is kind of going to be like. I mean, mine definitely wasn't, but um, it was just something, I don't know, I guess for younger me to look forward to. Um, And I liked that I was just this, you know, this little kid kind of exposed to these, you know, um, uh, these, you know, movies and stuff that were out of my, uh, you know, personal realm of knowledge. Right. So I just, I just really enjoy it. Um, the music for this movie specifically is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's kind of a bonkers movie. It's not, you know, um, going to win an Oscar or whatever necessarily, but, for me, it's just, you know, it's that feeling of nostalgia that I really love, especially when, you know, this year has been a fucking dumpster fire. It's kind of nice to escape, even if it is in a more um, problematic time a little bit, it's still nice to have that escapism. So. Mm-hmm. Do you remember about how older you were when you first saw the movie? Oh, fuck. I was probably, um, I was young, like maybe, maybe 10, if that, even younger. So was this movie like, were you like, oh, that's what being a teenager is like when you first saw the movie? Yeah, yeah, kind of. And and again, along with like, you know, Can't Hardly Wait, although that Mm -hmm. did come out, that came out when I was eight. So I probably saw that like when it came out, I saw Empire Records a little later. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was, it was kind of like, oh, this is it. And just, you know, again, like that that period of time, you know, where it was the counterculture, like the eighties was all about, you know, the yuppies and, and having money and, and stuff like that. And I feel like the nineties, the, you know, the theme of that, or at least um, in my eyes, from what I could witness was, you know, moving away from that, you know, like fuck the man and anti-establishment and that whole thing, which I just found, you know, really cool. So. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and begin the podcast so everyone's ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hello. We are joined today by a very special guest, Kayla. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty well. So Kayla is on this episode because uh, she won a contest. Uh, if you've been listening to the past episodes, you know, we, we did a thing for a book that came out where you could uh, hashtag a, a photo of the book online. We had a drawing, Kayla won, and she has chosen to talk about Empire Records, 1995 classic. 
Uh, hey, Kayla, did you have a childhood nickname? <laughs> well, yes, I had a few. Um, one of them was actually Trouble. Oh, very nice. That that was very like uh, like late night talk show set up there. Yeah, like a, a pre-loaded anecdote. Isn't that all late night talk shows though? They're, they already know the answers before they ask them. Uh-huh. I suppose at the end of the podcast, we can talk a little bit about, about uh, trouble if you'd like. Yeah. Drop yeah, some spoilers. Just, that would be great. <laughs> I have some theories, um, which I know you probably can't confirm or deny, but I have theories. Um, talk about who Ethan Embry could play in the trouble movie and or TV show. Oh my god. Young Ethan Embry or like current Ethan Embry? Uh current that- Ethan Embry looks like he should own a van. <laughs> <laughs> he might. For a while, um, Ethan Embry was like the dude. He was like a really cool guy, like in his uh, late teen years there. Well Yeah. What a fucking glow up between Empire Records and Can Harley Wait. Yeah. Yeah. He really went from like little baby face boy to man, you know, during those what three years or four mm-hmm. years, I think. And since I watched those movies, like, you know, one literally right after the other, it was just so bizarre to see him, like, you know, grow up like that. He really had us all, he really had us all convinced that, like, if you just write the right letter to your high school crush (laughs) that you've never spoken to, she'll suddenly fall in love with you. Yeah, apparently that's the, um, the the, um, magical key, right? (laughs) I always think about the, not another teen movie take on that where it's like, uh, do you think I kiss every guy who writes me a letter saying he's in love with me? No, I give them hand jobs. <laughs> uh, I fucking love that movie too. <laughs> Just really subverts like all those, all those teen movie tropes. <laughs> oh, this movie though. All right. Well, we normally begin by talking about uh, what we're kind of watching, listening to reading. Uh, mm-hmm. what are you watching right now Kayla so I just got done watching um seduced inside the Nexium cult it was a special that I believe stars put out um that was really great I've seen a few specials on the Nexium cult cults fascinate me um so and that was really uh really well done I enjoyed that other than that I've been re-watching Fleabag mm-hmm. and um along with other nostalgic 90s movies um i did rewatch all three of my options so can't hardly wait and reality bites as you know as well as empire records uh can't really wait i think i rewatched like twice just because first time it was to see if it was a contender the second time just because i really enjoyed it um so it's just been kind of fun especially you know during the whole like you know starting from election night to like Mm -hmm. a week after or so just those very stressful and i just needed to watch shit that made me happy so oh my god i never want the empire records kids to grow up and have trump as a president i know now um there was another like mini series recently about the nexium cult right it's like the vow or something which is that one came out before i think okay that was uh sarah um i'm blanking on her last name but she um she had done a podcast and I think like another special. No, no, the, um, not the host, the woman from the cult. (laughs) Oh, but seduce was also by actual people who were members, right? Yes. It was, um, India. Um, oh my gosh. Her last name is, but neither of them got Alison Mack. Mm. 
No, because she's doing time. She's got. Uh, oh she, no! She got sentenced to forty months. Is it? I thought she was like at Berkeley. Like I thought I read an article about how her fellow students in their like virtual classes hate having a class with her. What is that? Not an older one. I wonder. India Oxenberg. Sorry. Hmm. Um, but that would be interesting. I know that Keith Raniere, like in October of this year, got uh, sentenced like 120 years in prison. Fuck yeah! Finally, a little. Hmm. Wasn't like like Callie from Battlestar Galactica in this cult? Yes. Yeah, she right. married Allison Mack illegally. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, there's a whole lot on the Nexium cult that I highly recommend digging into. It's fucked up, but it's fascinating. Uh, unrelated, but kind of related to these type of movies. Whatever happened to Andrew Keegan's cult? Oh my god. <laughs> um, like, can cults buy out other know. cults? I mean, probably. Their whole gambit is power and usually money, right? Yeah. And sex, and exploitation. Right? Yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. It's not even yeah, about the sex itself. It's about the power. Um, and they just use that as like a means. They had some really awesome cult experts that have actually been on a few other cult shows I've watched. Um, I swear I'm not like <laughs> in the cult of watching cults. I just, I really dig true crime. And it just like the, the psychology behind it like fucking fascinates me. It's it's uh again just interesting and terrifying which is kind of my sweet spot so nice yeah all right well marco what are you watching uh i have not got to watch much tv though i felt like i would get a lot of shit from you if i didn't catch up with the mandalorian Mm. so i'm sad to say that's all i've watched okay are you enjoying it yeah i uh i like the frog the frog mama were you excited to see bo katan I didn't even know who that was at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll keep my thoughts on that too. Minimum. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the cartoon, so I could, couldn't really care less that uh, a cartoon character showed up. But it's, it's whatever. A lot of discourse about the Mandalorian and whether or not uh, Baby Yoda should be canceled this week. Nah. Mm. He's too cute. He ate the lady's eggs. Yeah, well. Hey, I mean, if you're doing it right, you're going to eat a couple of eggs in your life. <laughs> Did you ever finish? That works. <laughs> Did you ever finish the Queen's Gambit? No, I didn't. I got. I, mm, I should do that. Yeah, yeah, I did. It was fantastic. Uh, okay. So that's what I've been watching. Also, beat The Last of Us Part Two finally. Um, man, that was that was just a really grim and brutal experience. I'm still not quite sure how I feel about that game. It's um, I don't know. Should a video game be fun? Is that something that it, it needs to be, or is there some sort of level of artistic? expression where you play a video game that's just painful i don't know but it might be fun if you're a masochist yeah wait what what what's happening here it's just like a very grim brutal game and it it kind of forces you to make your character do things you don't want them to do it's like make this bad decision you're like no but the game's like well that's the only way you can play it um i don't know hmm a lot of thoughts about that but yeah that's what i've been watching uh what are you guys listening this, to right now? I'm playing this game called Punching Myself in the Scrote. Mm-hmm. Should it be fun? <laughs> well, should, should art be fun? I don't know. That's, that's a philosophical question. Mm. Yeah. I guess fun is relative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what yeah. are you guys listening to? Really just the Empire Records soundtrack, mostly. <laughs> I've listened to it a lot. I listened to a little bit of Third Eye Blind earlier today to Ooh. keep my my 90s groove happening love it 
but yeah, I've been listening to some some my my choice cuts from the Empire Records soundtrack. Yeah, they're not on the Empire Records soundtrack, but I found myself going down a rabbit hole of the band Cake. That's oh my god, very, I love Cake. Very nineties band. They're also from our hometown, so mm-hmm. very. I love Cake so much. Aware. Italian leather sofa is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I was a uh, quick little side note on that song. Um, I was at a, a party one time and it was the first time going to this house party with like this, you know, big group of people that, you know, my friend knew whatever. And I come in that song's playing. And as I walk in, they greet me by bringing out this, like this long chain of um, tube lights and they wrap it around me and we just start dancing it was bizarre, but so much fun. So that song has like a special, what, uh, special place. What what substances were you all on for this uh, house rave? Really, just alcohol. As far as I knew, some weed, but I had I hadn't even taken a drink yet. Okay. So at the time, I had like kind of just started. Just my relationship with alcohol. We were still early on, so probably just you know beer and some shit, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I just picture, let's crack these lights open and drink whatever's inside. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, what are you listening to, James? Did we ask you? Uh, yeah, Cake. Uh, what, are you guys, uh, you're reading anything right now? I just finished my second read of Trouble Always Finds Me. <gasps> so. I'm going to have to be careful. I don't let anything slip. <laughs> Yeah, let's pour you a drink and uh, mm-hmm. watch you hold some secrets. I, I have been known to just <laughs> completely give everything away if I'm drunk enough, but I'm drinking seltzer today. So, uh, who wants to hear who the stranger is? <laughs> it's um, I just started reading in the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. That's it. Just started, so that's all I got. All right, I just finished reading Gideon the Ninth, which was uh odd books like about like space necromancers uh, i don't know it took took me a little while to get into but it eventually kind of got to the uh the pulpy fun you know adventure that you like i don't know it's it weird it was almost like the writer had such a strong idea of the world in her head but it wasn't necessarily coming through on the page for a while i don't know if i'm just like dense and not getting at first but it took me a while to kind of get my bearings as to like what was what but that's cool. I guess there's a sequel, so I ordered that. Isn't that a sequel? No. Okay. Maybe it's the sequel that's just come out. That's what the I'm sequel just of. came out. Yeah. Okay. All right, but yeah, let's move on to the uh, the main event here: Empire Records, 1995 film. Uh, who would like to go first with an opening statement? Kayla, can we have you go first? Sure. Uh, mine's pretty short and sweet. Um. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> it's not perfect by any means. Definitely have some plot issues, some um, stuff that's not exactly woke, I guess. Um, some overacting and just other interesting acting choices. But it uh, it's all worth the feeling of nostalgia that it evokes for me, not only for my youth, but of that time period. Um, I think it really captures the spirit of that sort of youthful exuberance and rebellion as well as the attitude of, of that era and the counterculture. Um, plus the fucking soundtrack is killer. Mm-hmm. So that's my opening statement. Um, shall I go next then, James? Go for it. 
I'm just going to half-heartedly throw out the word zeitgeist and let it breathe. Um, this movie is clearly Casablanca, but for the corporate America versus slackers culture war that was happening in the 90s. Um, like Kayla, I fucking love this movie. Um, I saw, I kept showing up at friend's house in high school and seeing like the second half of this movie. So for a long time, I didn't realize it had a first half. Um, I feel like we're going to probably tear this movie apart tonight, but in a way w- with love, I hope. Um, mm-hmm. It's cutesy in a paradoxical way. Like the repeated mantra of damn the man is, you know, funny because it's you know, the, empire, the empire here is theoretically not evil. It's a goofball home. Um, but what a litmus test. I love this movie as a teen. I sided with the employees. I thought this was the greatest job ever. Uh, now as a hundred year old man, I kind of want them all to get fired. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a fascinating mess because it's, it's essentially a soundtrack in search of a script, which like we can talk about the behind the scenes stuff later. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious that somebody's career was actually ruined because they greenlit this and passed on Clueless. Um, though the movie like, I think really wants to be uh, like the next Breakfast Club for the 90s. Um, I don't know. I, I find it ludicrous as shit, but like I really want to hang out with a lot of the people in this this movie um, and get into their capitalist versus anti-capitalist agenda. Also, Liv Tyler, because I grew up in the 90s. I was probably at a certain age where I would tape those Aerosmith videos onto VHS and then ruin them. Um, also, Rex Manning, who looks like uh, if Lestat the Vampire was played by like Tom Jones meets John Travolta is... Uh, just a fascinating character. Yeah, I love this movie, James. All right, well, it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna be the guy who's like they should all be fired throughout the movie. I can't wait for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, before I went and rewatched the movie, I took a peek at the IMDb page. I was kind of stunned to see that apparently this movie got terrible reviews when it was released. I was just like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, so that was on my mind during the rewatch, and I have to say, those critics are just no fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely not perfect, but I think Empire Records is just. A ton of fun, and it feels so emblematic of like a certain 90s era of music and youth culture. I think this was the movie that had to walk so High Fidelity could run. Um, It made working at a record store just seem like the coolest thing you could ever do. And I think we all learned a lot about the dangers of doing speed and slut-shaming, washed-up rock stars, and working for the man. Uh, I'd say this movie is in many ways extremely dorky, but I found it really refreshing to be uh, kind of taken back to a time when Everyone was a little less self-conscious. They just kind of did what they felt. Perfect post-election movie, I think. Well, anything that uh, isn't about politics, it's, it's a perfect post-election movie. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, there's such a happier time. Like, their struggles are, you know, real to yes. them, but not that real. <laughs> this is the Clinton years, man. We had other yeah. concerns then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, top moments. I have 10 of them. I don't know how many you guys have. I have seven. Oh, Oh my God. I tried to stick to script and just do three, which is really, really hard. (laughs) So, fuck me. Because it was was so hard to narrow down. Mm -hmm. I will do my best. All right. Well, I don't even knock a few off the top and then uh, you guys can join in. Uh, minor moment, but uh, towards the end, I think it's when they're really busy. Mark answering the phone. Empire Records, we're open until midnight. This is Mark. Midnight. <laughs> uh, like, I, I think uh, the person who wrote this worked at a Tower Records at some point. Like, there's yeah. there's lots of stuff in here that feels like this happened to the person in real life, so they put it in their movie. Like, that that kind of thing feels like a, a joke that they you would have working at a record store. Like, people who call in asking questions like that. Um, my number nine would be um 
let's see what part is this i think it's the kind of confrontation with warren at the end uh where he shows up with a gun which is just wild to see today uh but when yeah, I, this is, that was pre-columbine yeah yeah it's weird when deborah's confronting him and he's just like my name isn't fucking warren and they're like what's warren talking about uh, and let's see number eight is when rex is signing autographs and the one girl comes up and she's like oh i'm just doing this for my mom she likes your music i don't care about you which i i found hilarious i'm gonna squeeze in an eight um which probably should be higher but it's deborah's funeral because i just okay. thought about it it's not on my list all right uh what is your seven marco um the this scene fascinates me, but uh, it's the girl who is actually Rex Manning's stepdaughter. But the girl, like the ballet girl, who's like listening to music on headphones and like doing her ballet dances. In Even Mark, the actor's stepdaughter. Yeah, the actor's stepdaughter. Yeah. Sorry. She gets like way, like Mark gets like way too into her fucking space as he watches her like listening to this music and feeling it. And he starts to make like kissy face at her and like goes in to kiss her while she's got her eyes closed. And she ends up like smacking him in the face and he just kind of laughs and she's like dude what the fuck and later he catches her foot before like running off and cackling like a creep also she's wearing open-toed ballet socks in a public place which blew my mind in 2020 i don't know it's such a bizarre bonkers scene to me i had to include it yeah mark Um, mark's a little problematic through today's lens yeah 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 um real quick i did update my list as we were talking and i have seven yes (laughs) oh what is your seven my seven is when joe throws rex's bag and says take your purse and go (laughs) that was a huge burn in the 90s and just like his his whole attitude it was great and then just his little like you know shitty bow that he does and you know why don't you all just fade away or whatever and gets out of there it's it's so ridiculous but i love it (laughs) what no flaws yeah (laughs) oh what a dick rex manning My number four is just this line, which is one of the, like, there's certain lines from this movie that have just, like, entered my personal lexicon, and I would Mm. just say them and kind of forget what they're even from, but uh, Luke is saying, what's with today today? Uh, I don't know why, that, like, just became stuck in my consciousness, and that's, like, something that I just think of occasionally. I am dying to know what people think of Lucas as we go through this. (laughs) Yeah, today, right? Like, back then, that whole existential dude as he called it, was just, um, that was the thing, you know, that was like such an archetype. And I feel like that's really disappeared in uh, today's day and age. I mean, yes, today's day and age, I want to take Lucas on the roof and throw him off the side. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's going to be a fascinating conversation. All right. Well, what is your number? What are you up to? Six? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my six is... um, after one of the many blowups and Joe says, Gina, you better go home. And she's like, am I fired? And he's like, have I fired anyone today? Why would I start with you? (laughs) (laughs) It was like, okay, it's that kind of movie. (laughs) Yeah. Joe seems like a cool boss. Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) All right. uh, Kayla, you're number six. Um, It's again, it's kind of small, but when, um, Deb just at the end puts out that sign that says, give us your money, sits in front of it, like, you know, with a zero fucks given attitude and just puts a, you know, an empty jar in front of it. I just, I just love it. I'm going to read a lot about Deb. So just <laughs> a heads up. I love her so much. Deb is great. 
All right. Uh, let's see. My number six is when Joe goes and like tries to talk to Deb and she's like doing the taxes or something like that. And she's just kind of like, I don't know, not not interested in what he has to say, even though it seems like he might have made like a tiny bit of impact on her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I like that scene. Well, like the one person that she appreciates the attempt from. Like as, at least I, he can just say you're doing a good job. And she's like, thanks. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to fucking Burko. Mm. <laughs> um, Burko. So my number five is Robin Tony and Renee Zellweger have this like bitch off at the cash registers after Robin yes. Tony's like shaved her head. And so it goes, well, Sinead rebellion. Shock me, shock me, shock me if that deviant behavior. And she's just like, oh my God, that is so clever. I swear that you get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. And Renee says, and you get smarter the shorter your hair gets. I just wanted to watch those two be like buddy cops doing something. Yes. All right. Let's see. Number five here is when they, I, I can't remember who does it. I think it's Gina puts on um, money, the song money. And mm-hmm. they're like dancing around to it. That, that's another kind of song. that's like burned in my brain associated with this movie and the way they're all kind of dancing around and Joe's getting more and more annoyed. Well, they proclaim Lucas as employee of the month or whatever. Mm-hmm. What about you, Kayla? What's your five? My five is also a dance sequence, but it's to ACDC when uh, Joe's playing the drums and, you know, they're (laughs) doing the air guitar. I just, I love it. It made me realize how much I miss playing the drums. So, nice. and it was just fun. Like they have all these little dance sequences kind of thrown in and it just like, oh, youth, remember when you just dance, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I almost put that on my list, but I was worried that like all my lists would just be them dancing different music. Mine started out literally that way. So. so my number four moment is 100% Joe getting frustrated and deciding, fuck it. I need a drum break. <laughs> he has drums set up in his office. I don't think Joe literally does what you would call a lick of work this entire day. Like he's, he's he the shows boss. Up, he bosses. Yeah. He shows up in the tie for Rex Manning day. And then like some point he's just like, fuck this tie. <laughs> Deb is going to go do whatever our quarterly income taxes are. Yeah. I would love to work for a boss like Joe. Yeah. I just, he's, he's very he's a chill. Boss dad. He might just beat you up if you screw up at work, but you know, it's, it's understood that he's not going to fire you. Well, yeah. I think in general, your boss just having a drum set in the corner of their office tells you everything. Yeah. I right. never want to leave that job. Yeah. All right. Where are we at? Number four here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kayla, what is your number four? My number four is Deb's funeral. It's um, it's weird watching it now. It's just kind of um, kind of weird, but I fucking love it. And Deb's attitude, like all the way through it, is great. Like when um, like AJ and uh, Corey start just like talking about their own shit, and she's like, "Guys, this is my fucking funeral." <laughs> it's very cathartic yeah it is and it's just such like a a a kid way to you know deal with someone trying to kill themselves right i don't know that scene felt so 90s to me like that was something like in the 90s that would be the the cool edgy thing to do is have a funeral for someone who's not dead i Mm -hmm. i feel like though it's so akin to like emilio estevez being like 
here's why I glued some kids' butt cheeks together. When she when she's just like I used I think a you mean big you pink tape razor. Someone's buns together. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but I just why like tape. I couldn't even like break through the skin after an hour of my pink big razor or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is it three? Are we at three? Uh, did you do four? Or did I do four? Uh, my four was Joe and the drums. Sorry. Okay. Uh, my number four is when Warren is trying to pick up the super glued quarters. <laughs> and uh, Adrian says, I don't feel that I need to explain my art to you, Warren. That is the scene where I would perpetually like walk into this movie. And like see the rest of it. And I just thought it was like the greatest movie. I had no context. I thought it was the greatest movie. Um, my number three is there's a part, and I can't remember who goes first, but like Corey has an intense speed fueled freak out. And then Gina has a, like a soap opera freak out like right after. And at one point, one of them like runs out onto like the store's floor and like starts like trashing it. And Corey. I was just like, I love this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Corey. All right. Kaylee, your number three. My number three is when, is that another dance sequence? Um, <laughs> I have three total, just so you know. Um, when the staff and the customers dance to Say No More, Mon Amour. Yes. Um, it's ridiculous and it's fun. And you get to see Deb kind of come out of her shell a little bit. Um, even if she is dancing with AJ, whatever, it's still, it's still great. They have heat. They have a lot of heat. I have a I lot mean, of thoughts is- about that scene and like what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, he is he is shirtless at one point. And she straddles him. Yeah, she, yeah. I, like, on. I love that there's like a dance move. The vinyl. There's like a specific dance move in the video that they do, like the weird shimmy. Yeah, with the feet, the footwork. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so there's going to be a lot of trivia breaks in this episode. I'm sorry. Okay, but they were supposed to go film like a 45 second sequence for the music video. They spent a day and they filmed a whole music video, which I love. <laughs> You can find it on YouTube. Yeah. So my number two is the entire music video for Say No More. Mon Amour. All right. <laughs> well, let me just name check my number three real quick. It's, yes, it's already yes. been mentioned, but uh, Gina's saying, am I fired? And Joe says, have I fired anyone today? Why would I start with you? I think that's after she gets caught with uh, Rex Manning there. Yeah. And the big yeah. blow up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Marco, what was your two again? It's Say No More, Mon Amour. No More. It's the okay. music video. Yeah. <laughs> Do we're, on, we're on number two. Um, my number two. This is the last one, I swear. The dance sequence at the very end when they're on the rooftop dancing to This is the Day because it's just, I feel like it's more um, the actors a little bit than the characters. And I think it's just a great way that they wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, that's a fucking great song. So mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed that. And you get to see like, um, uh, it's Renee Zellweger and. Um, Guy who Lucas. plays Lucas, yeah, who were dating at the time. Oh, really? So I thought their little moment was cute, you know, when they're dancing. So supposedly he got her cast because they hadn't cast all the female parts yet. And he was like, Have you heard of my girlfriend, Joey Lauren Adams? Sorry, that's Kayla's <laughs> joke. Um, which I mean, like that sequence, though, if you buy that sequence, you will 100% buy that six friends are going to dance in a fountain for no reason for the credits of friends every week that's just what you do in the 90s you just dance as a group in random places in public well i mean before flash mobs as you remember james it took us five years to graduate high school because we never went to class we were always doing heavily choreographed dance sequences Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not too choreographed you know had to feel loose Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. spontaneous yeah 
Yeah, speaking of uh, dancing and, and singing and whatnot, my number two is when Gina sings Sugar High on top of mm. the uh, yeah. the overhang there, which is, I mean, a cool place to be playing a concert. And I don't know, her her voice, It's I feel like it's just the right amount. Like, it, it doesn't sound like she's like a perfect singer or anything, but she sounds like super into it. Um, and the song, it's like, it's a decent 90s, like pop punk. There's a little bit of like a Less Than Jake vibe there. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fun thing all around. Mm. Stuck in my head for days, and yet they can't get her on the soundtrack. I know. Yeah, must be a right thing. Didn't she just it. win like an Oscar? Renee Zellweger. Am I making that up? Didn't she just win for? Yeah. Um, was it Judy Garland or? Oh, maybe, or at least nominated. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody is screaming at this podcast mm-hmm. right now. Right. <laughs> Um, so my number one is the moment when everyone realizes that Gina and Rex Manning are in the count out room together <laughs> and they're just, and then of course, Corey walks in and she's like, why is everyone standing around? Hey, why is this door locked? <laughs> <laughs> and she comes to the conclusion like immediately. Yeah. And then of course, that's when they open the door. Uh, Real time follow up. Yes. Yeah, she did just win best actress, uh, for Judy, uh, Aww. which I think that was one of those movies that nobody saw, but it was like, here's a biopic with a really great performance. So Congratulations on your Oscar. She also won an Oscar for Colt Mountain, which I totally forgot about. Ooh. I thought she'd mm. won for Chicago, but she's only nominated for it. Mm. I think the yeah, what's her sure. name won for Chicago? Uh, yeah, Catherine Zeta Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Well, congrats to Renee Zellweger. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, belated congrats. <laughs> uh, what's your number one, Kayla? Yeah, number one. My number one is the scene where Deb shaves your head. I just the acting that Robin Tenney does like it's she's doing so much with you know with her face with her body of course it's a dead moment but just doing so much and she just has like just enough crazy eye but like with a smile on it's just this really like kind of unsettling but you really can't look away kind of thing Mm -hmm. Um, it's really mostly just because Robin Tenney acted the shit out of it but I really really enjoyed that I like when she looks in the mirror and says eat your heart out Luke Wilson um so real-time trivia now for that scene or later go for it so the studio fucking hated robin tunney they thought she was way too cute to be depressed so the director told her that and she said what if i shave my head so she shaved her head even in the original script no not even in the script Mm. which is funny because you can't even really see her face until when she first walks in the store so mm-hmm. when she's doing the craft, which she films immediately after this, she has to wear a wig the whole time. Mm, nice. Oh. What's your one, James? Uh, already mentioned, but uh, them all dancing on the rooftop at the end. It just yes. it just feels like uh, such a happy place in the movie. And it's it's fun to see them all. And it, yeah, I think as you mentioned, Kayla, it is, there's kind of a blend. Like, am I seeing the actors or am I seeing the characters here? Um, but it's like, man, what... What a fun way to end the workday. These these guys just all go up and dance on the roof and uh, kind of switching partners and all dancing with each other. Like I don't know, it's just a really fun vibe. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get into the the main course here. What did you guys think of Lucas just in general? Now on my rewatch at thirty years old, <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I'm a, a little conflicted. I don't totally hate him. He annoys me um, for sure. Just because he has that. Um, I don't want to say pompous. I don't know if that's the right word, but just that kind of that attitude about him. 
Um, like that moment where he's in the casino, he just lost all the money and he just kind of looks, you know, and ponders like, Oh, I wonder if I'll be held responsible for this. It's just a little shit. You know, I just kind of had that moment, but I feel like he might know that he's in a movie. Like there are a couple times mm-hmm. where he like addresses the camera directly and, you know, and even, uh, AJ said like, you know, what's with you today? Like yesterday you were normal and now you're talking like the, you know, guy from Karate Kid. And he's like, you know, that's what's with today today. So I don't know. I just feel like maybe he knows he's in a movie. So um, looking at, at that perspective, I see it a little bit different, but I mean, I, I didn't totally disagree with Joe when he took him in the back room and kind of threw him around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found Lucas, like when he's like being a cool guy, I didn't really like him that much when he was more, kind of like maybe mildly on the spectrum kind of like awkward i think i I liked that lucas a little bit more like like zen lucas or awkward lucas but when he's like talking to the camera and like putting on sunglasses and whatnot like i just i don't know i wasn't buying it i man i'll put i'll I'll, two things the the short version the tldr version fuck lucas wow uh yeah i'm gonna say it but uh also mark talks to the camera a lot way too much Mm -hmm. way too much yeah. Mark's a serial killer. Mark now, does right? like he screams at the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like he's the just Mark too high all the time. So even Mark is really Mark is like hallucinating the audience. I think. <laughs> um, Lucas reminded me of like say like the original Star Trek went on for like nine years. Okay, and everyone hated their lives more than possible. And then like, the studio did a thing in the season nine where they're like, "What if Spock has an annoying baby brother?" That's Lucas to me. Wow. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to get to power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I do love the whole scene, though, where he chases Warren, um, you know, the shoplifting, just like the whole yeah. head game that he plays, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of time. And like, as he's talking to Mark, he's just, you know, casually changing his shoes so he can go chase this kid. I, I really liked that. Why does he have so a, he a, a change of shoes at the store? <laughs> For shoplifters. <laughs> I mean. The thing about this movie too is like it's hard to judge inconsistencies because apparently they cut like forty five minutes of it. Apparently, like several yeah. characters got cut out completely. Yeah, like Warren yeah. has a sister that's in the original cut or something. Like uh, baby Toby Maguire, was he in it? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so the 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 genesis of this movie was the bodyguard comes out. It does pretty well. The bodyguard soundtrack goes on to be the most successful soundtrack of all time. So they were like, what is the all rock soundtrack to a movie, movie to come later that we can put out? Hmm. So it goes to Atlantic and they're like, cool, it can be wall to wall sound garden. And they're like, no, thanks. So they go to A&M and A&M's like, have you heard of the gin blossoms? <laughs> have I? Oh, my God. Yeah. I've listened to a lot this week. I, I love them. I got to see um, the singer live at a bar in Phoenix one time randomly. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you know, across the bar, like, Oh, this is a, you know, can't believe they're playing the gym blossoms. I haven't heard them in a while. And someone's like, no, like they're actually playing here. Like the guy, you know, from was playing here. I'm like, what? So yeah, took my drink and ran and, you know, (laughs) got right up there. It was pretty cool. Excellent. I should say for like a couple years in my youth, the gym blossoms were like my favorite band. I was obsessed with their first album. And this song was like, just, what a great soundtrack single this song is till I hear it from yeah. you. I always think of the Jim Blossoms because when I had to move to Virginia, the first girl I had a crush on there was named Allison Rowe, mm. which I kept thinking of Allison Road from mm-hmm. the Jim Blossoms. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
right off the bat, this movie, I feel like you can you can guess what year a movie came out upon the font that they use in the credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like this weird kind of fake writing font. Um, in my memory, I had thought that like we didn't know why Lucas did what he did until later in the movie. Like in my memory, it was like we saw Lucas like you know closing shop and like look at something, but we didn't see what it is. But no, apparently he sees right from the beginning about the whole music town and all that. Which I think it maybe would have made a better movie if we didn't know why he went to try to uh, gamble all the money. But whatever. Mm-hmm. This is enigmatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is two. My notes here in two parts because again, I'm sorry, trivia guy. I, I know Kayla's got some trivia too, but like. At first, I wrote down in my notes, what am I supposed to think when one of the actors credited in the movie has a name like Coyote Shivers? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I read that he was married to Bebe Buell at the time, thus making him live Tyler's stepdad. Yeah. Pretty sure we read the same article, Marco. <laughs> I, yeah. Mine was a YouTube video, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what the fuck are you doing with a movie with your stepdad who's like only a couple of years older than you? Oh, and this was right after she did uh, the crazy music video with Alicia Silverstone for mm-hmm. her actual dad. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean. Legendary. Also, what what real mu- musician do you think they wanted in this role, James? Um, what, uh, gosh. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of who it is. Uh, who? Do you have the time? Oh, Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, well, we got this guy named Coyote Shivers. <laughs> Ooh, apparently, like, I don't know if you saw this in your article, Kayla. Halfway through filming, he's like, I don't want to be in this movie as much as I'm in this movie. I mean, you really more is less with that guy. He's obviously not an actor, so. Yeah. Yeah, and even in like most of the time um, he's there, he's just like either in background saying like maybe one or two things. And like at one point, he's just like playing guitar while everybody else talks. <laughs> you know, you can't hear the guitar, but he's just back there like there he is playing guitar. Like he's a musician. Well, he has a bunch of deleted scenes with guess which character? Deb? No. Nope. <laughs> Rex Manning. Oh my God. Wow, okay. After Rex Manning leaves, he runs into to Burko. I don't think we needed that scene. Well, because no. apparently they he, Rex Manning shows up at the end. I'm sorry, I'm way jumping ahead. And they do a rock version of Sugar High on the roof, or of uh, Say No More on the roof. And then uh, Rex Manning gets arrested. My God, I would have liked to have seen that just to see Rex Manning get arrested. Was it for fucking Gina? No, it was just for public noise as if oh it's like like if, the uh the u2 concert thing or whatever yeah yeah which is what why i think burko's not dancing on the roof with them at the end i think mm-hmm. he got arrested too well, i know originally it was supposed to take place over two days which is just bad like obviously this should be a one day movie type of thing yeah yeah i i read that and this is from a buzzfeed article i'm gonna cite my source real quick um by someone named Anne helen peterson so all my little facts are from her. Um, so yeah, apparently, um, Carol Heikinen who wrote it, um, uh, to go back to what you said, James, she did work at tower records, both in high school in Phoenix and then in college at, um, the West Hollywood location. And she said that she wanted it to kind of be modeled after car wash, which took place over one day. Mm. Nice. So the two day thing makes no sense. Cause what are you going to be like act one? Boy, guys, tomorrow's Rex Manning Day. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. delay all action until then. Or it's like the day after. Like, well, it was a crazy day yesterday. 
Oh, when like uh, <laughs> when when Mark and the Burnout talk about like Primus versus I don't remember who now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say, as a former professional gambler, watching Lucas just blow all this money is it's still painful. At the end here, when he lets it ride. Being a cheapskate that hurt me. That hurt me a lot. <laughs> and then we we learned some that. interesting stuff about Joe the next day. At one point, he says that his wife left him for another woman, and his girlfriend forced him to leave at gunpoint. Like, what's going on, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, even before that, with Lucas's whole thing, do you remember when retail was like a cash business? Yeah. Yeah, vaguely. Just, I mean, I've I've like barely carried cash in like twenty years, but yeah. Like you would just have like nine thousand dollars in cash just on your person. Those little yeah. bank envelopes with the locks on them. Mm-hmm. Also, the, oh, sorry. No, go, no, please go ahead. I just, I had to um, do that sometimes um, for my uh, property management job. One of my property management jobs, really mm-hmm. early on, before we stopped taking cash and only took checks. Yeah, it was scary <laughs> a little bit. I would be walking around with it, you know, looking out, hoping you don't get fucking robbed. I'd be tempted tempted to pull a, a psycho and just drive off to some, you know, crazy motel in the middle of nowhere. Oh, um, there wasn't enough money for that. <laughs> to risk it all. Yeah, I, I straight up booed when we passed the Trump Plaza in this movie. I know. Mm, yeah, I know. Yeah, I wish you could just cut that out. <laughs> I know. I literally thought the same thing. Like, God, he's even fucking ruining this. <laughs> Uh, Lucas is like I don't know he's like on one he just like pulls this lady's uh, uh, slot machine thing and she like wins a bunch of coins and whatnot that really took me back to when slot machines have coins in them yeah also this whole endeavor let me just put this as clearly and succinctly as it as it reveals itself to me your job will never love you back no matter how much you sacrifice for it don't go risk it all for (laughs) Saving your job. I don't know. That's a pretty cool job, though. I mean, yeah. at least he's playing craps. Like, he's had the right idea. That's the best odds in the casino there. Really? Mm-hmm. I've only played one time on my 21st birthday when I went to a casino, and I lost 50 bucks in, like, one roll. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this game. I'm going back to poker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he loses, it, he loses it all in Snake Eyes, which I only know about from the Nick Cage movie. Snake Eyes. Mm. Um, yeah. But the, the hubris, as he says to the camera, I wonder if I'll be held responsible for this. <laughs> that to me, I feel like it's not doing his character favors. No, no. Like it, it, it would be no. better if he just like looked crestfallen and like kind of crushed by it. Yeah, so, he doesn't like seem to carry any sort of personal responsibility whatsoever. <clears throat> also, his no, bangs, his bangs are just bothering me through the whole movie. You don't, you don't like boy bangs? I think it's just something about his cut here is just annoying. Mm. Mm. Yeah, those bangs are a choice. Um, it's they're not a, the right choice, but they're a choice. It's like early Ross Geller esque. A little bit. In the hairstyle? Yeah. I can see that. Like, I, there was like a time where a lot of guys were just trending towards some variation of the Caesar. <laughs> what did you think yeah, Mark about? Yeah, Mark had a long Caesar going. Yeah, what did you think about Joe when he shows up in the suit, but he's got like the leather jacket over the shirt and tie? It's a cool boss. Yeah, super cool boss, super cool car. Um, and I have, you know, very different feelings now as an adult watching it than I did as a kid or a teenager about Joe. <laughs> Are they improved or uh, unimproved? Is Joe oh, a improved. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, young Anthony Baglia. Um, yeah. I would argue that his best movie is So I Married an Ex-Murderer. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Him, oh, sorry. I, I say prior to that, so Lucas is asleep on his motorcycle the next day when uh, AJ and Mark show up. This is Johnny Whitworth and Ethan Embry. AJ's got a real Gavin Rossdale, but basic vibe. Oh, my God, yeah. You know who he kind of reminded me of? He kind of reminded me of David Boreanaz for some reason. I don't know why, why that is, but like a shorter, huh. da- younger David Boreanaz. I can see that. I just kept the hair a little bit. Yeah. I I just kept waiting for them to be like, AJ, what do you put in your hair? And he'd be like, glycerine. <laughs> yeah, the Gavin Rossdale, I think it's the necklaces that uh I think they're like I wrote in my notes, like those are definitely like I'm artsy type <laughs> dude necklaces that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, that that fucking grandpa cardigan. Um well, like double sweater. I mean, essentially yeah. double sweater. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. We know he's artistic because he like doodles little drawings of Corey throughout the movie. Yeah. Not creepy. Not no, creepy. No, it's romantic. For a movie that I just want to point out, takes place in Delaware, filmed in North Carolina. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was wondering like where this was supposed to take place while watching it. And Ethan Embry has like, like the more authentic stoner version of like the Matthew Lillard Shaggy, I think. Uh, I read that he cut his own hair for that, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which could explain. He also has some weird bangs going yeah. on. All right, I so. guess the Mark character feels like someone you would have run into in the nineties. He's not necessarily someone you'd want to hang out with, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's got good weed. So, well, Probably I mean, keep him around. I thought Mark was cool when I first watched this in, in high school. So that tells <laughs> me a lot about where I've, I've come from and where I am. Um, I'm sorry to be so asinine because I know Kayla's got great trivia and I'm, I keep bumping in. But like, do you know what day Rex Manning Day is? April 8th, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you know why? I do not. Do you know why, Kayla? I don't think I do. It's the day they found Kurt Cobain's body. Oh, <laughs> really? fuck, that's dark. <laughs> the writer was just like, I really wanted to do, say something about the death of the rock star. <laughs> wow. Her. I think it. he had just died like right before this came out or like during the writing process, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, here's how we can stamp this movie in time. Yeah. I mean, just getting into the record store here, like I, this was so nostalgic for me. I used to go to Tower Records a lot. Mm-hmm. I would go to Dimple Records after that. Um, I don't know if many people listening to this will give a shit, but uh, Tom Hanks's kid did like a really interesting documentary about Tower Records. Oh, I'd love to see Colin that. Hanks or a different one? Colin Hanks, not okay. the uh, not the one who not uh, the one's like a DJ. <laughs> I didn't know he had another son. I only the, Colin. You don't want to know about the other son. He's, he's, he's like a problematic. Son, right? Yeah, you you yeah. lost me at DJ. Um, yeah. so. He's he's a DJ who keeps talking in. Um, oh shit! What's the language that Brad Pitt got in trouble for? Meet Joe Black. He keeps talking as if he's Jamaican. Mm. I'll put it that way. Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. Mm. So like, imagine imagine a white guy. Pretending he's Jamaican, telling you that his dad has COVID. That was what March looked like. All I can picture is one of the guys from um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the white Rastas. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch this movie now. It's, I, I'm realizing how much this movie's uh, depiction of speed like informed what I thought people who took speed were like for like the next 10 years at least. Like, not at all like the, uh, the Breaking Bad vision of uh, mm-hmm. speed it's like oh no there's these little white pills that like overachievers mm-hmm. take 
Yeah. And they're and diet pills too. Mm-hmm. That was uh, before they had, you know, more restrictions on them. So that was uh, like, I just, you know, like thinking back to like Requiem for a dream when they're like, yeah, take these diet pills. And then, you know, she loses her fucking mind. Which was your first choice for us, right? It was a choice. It was an option. <laughs> I wasn't sure how you guys would feel about the dark I've never seen kind of it. stuff. I like really. Uh-huh. It, it's if never like, seemed like something I should want to watch. That's that's most people's reaction. I I, I was drawn toward it, but you know, I was joking me. the other night that uh, the the contest would be seeing where we all ranked. Uh, I didn't take it out for air on our top moments. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Empire Records, you know the business is for sure in trouble when Joe has to remind Mark that he should answer the phone. Well, they're just right. opening. Sure. Yeah, and like they're not even quite open. Like the store hours aren't even open yet. So I mean, who shows up to a record store like early in the day? Like, what kind of weird creep are you? Especially one that's open to midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, saw a lot of brands I recognized, like TDK. Oh, the old tape brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just kind of looking at like that that very first shot where it's like the overhead and just you know like the the candy machine in front, like rubber candy machines. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the magazine racks, they had that cool, like, um, decorative piece that was just, like, made of CDs, you know, just all kinds of cool stuff. Flyers behind the desk. It just really screams, like, this is an independent yeah. shop, I think. I really love that. Apparently, they spent a lot of time um, on the decoration of it. I can see that, yeah. yeah. It feels authentic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, here's a question. How old is Corey in this movie? Maybe 18. So she was born in 77. So she would have been 18, I think. So is she still in high school? Like, is it a weekend? Like, oh, Corey or Liv Tyler? A Corey specifically. Okay. Well, so deleted deleted scene Corey's sister shows up to give her the letter telling her that she got into Harvard. Yeah, she mentions Harvard at some point. So, like, AJ says, I've been working here for five years. So, it's like, okay, well, how old is AJ? I had that in my notes, too. Like, yeah, how how long have they been working together? Did Mm -hmm. she really start working there when she was 13? Or did he just know her from the time she started working there? No, no, he's been working there. But, like, how long has he had this crush? Yeah. Because he makes it like the only time period he really references is five years in relation to his, you know, declaration of love for Corey. So, yeah, I, I was wondering that too, James. <laughs> how how long? Well, it's like, is she, uh, does she just like come in and work on the weekends and he's been obsessed with her for like all summer? Or I'm going to say she's probably in her senior year of high school, honestly. I would assume so, especially because of how it ends. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's going to go to art school in Boston to be near her, I doubt he's going to go a year ahead and wait for her to get there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, also, he might. He's a little creepy, so maybe. I have written in my notes, just out of context, AJ has maybe the intellect of a male model. <laughs> I don't know. He does piece together, like, right away that Lucas um, took, last, you know, the closeout money and lost it in Atlantic City. Yeah. He like came to that conclusion real quick. Well, also I like that later when Joe discovers that there's no money in the safe or whatever, he can just smell that AJ knows something. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a question. When you, when you were watching this as a kid, who did you think was like the coolest character in the movie? For me, it was probably Liv Tyler. I think just because of her outfit. Mm. It is a pretty (laughs) iconic sweater. Yeah. Same. 
and like the skirt and boots that um that's a look I still rock actually or shorts and like you know shorts and combat mm. boots I I still live live in that fashion sense I think mm. I probably thought AJ was super cool on rewatch he just seemed like kind of a dork I guess but yeah but of your male choices other than Joe, I mean, it's oh, Joe is definitely Joe, the coolest now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he's like a like a dad boss. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely like the father figure, but not in like a patriarchal, gross way. So, but he's also got like uh, like divorced rock dad vibes <laughs> tenfold. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. I mean, like, get me wrong. Back to the whole your boss has a drum set in his office thing. Cool boss. But your boss might have some things he's dealing with. <laughs> well, what What are his rules? It's like don't trust his drumsticks, his cigars, or what was the third his thing? His beer. His beer. Yeah. So then we immediately cut to mm-hmm. drumsticks on top of the money, smoking a cigar, drinking the beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we've actually said it. Uh, Corey is desperate to give her virginity to Rex Manning on Rex Manning Day. She's been. She's, she's made been waiting cupcakes. For him. Yeah. She's made. She's baked goods to offer herself to Rex Manning. She is stroking and kissing his face on the record. Like that's just such a teenage girl thing to do. Um, like how Gina just slobbers all over it. <laughs> she she takes her tongue right to it. <laughs> she like tongues the clit of this record as she's driving, like in her face. <laughs> she's driving after just eating a cupcake too. So like that thing's mm. probably sticky for multiple reasons. Mm. Which is especially weird because it's like like a little kid Rex Manning on the record cover. <laughs> yeah, they keep mentioning that he was in The Family Way. Is that a real show? I don't I, think so. I think there was a show called The Family Way, but I don't okay, think really? it sounds like His it show. could be a real show. Yeah. Oh, it was um, Real Life Update, 1966 British comedy drama. Hmm. Hmm. I okay, So let me ask you a question because I saw something in, in the YouTube video I watched with like the trivia. Who would you assign as the closest uh, like rock analog to Rex Manning? Because the actual answer shocks me. Hmm. Um, someone that was in a uh, TV it's on the tip show of my tongue. and then also saying, I have a couple, but they're probably wrong. Like, I don't know. Was Scott Bayo ever a singer? Or um, let's, uh, let's, Tommy let's, Osmond? Let's banish Scott Bayo from this entire conversation. <laughs> I just think like, you know, washed up guy yeah. trying to still be relevant. That's kind of what I think of there. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Elvis Costello for some reason. All that's clearly wrong. Um, I'll give you a hint. We name checked him on the Keegan Allen Criterion Classic No Escape episode. Oh, I do not even remember that. Oh, was that like two weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been two years mm-hmm. ago in 2020. <laughs> Supposedly, he's like a Robert Palmer analog. Huh, okay. Oh. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, he seems a little more like flamboyant, I guess, than Robert Palmer. I don't know. In a weird way, in the 90s, I was kind of like, if I grew up to be like this guy, I wouldn't hate it. Really? There's worse things. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Rex Manning, that's the guy I want to be from this movie. Cheese, <laughs> cheesy white prince, mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, my God. I'm just going like- to waste my life anyway. Like the character is so shitty, but I mean the actor that plays him, I just I really love what he does with it because he just makes you like fucking hate him. Um, I think that's great. If this was a like a sitcom that was on every week, I would be like, just get Rex Manning back in here. So apparently, the actor is Haley Mills' brother-in-law. 
Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they open up and I, I guess they have a contest for like who can pick the song to play. So AJ puts on some like, like thrash metal or something and they're all rocking out as they open and man, they just all seem so cool. As they like yeah, dust that, and dance. I guess that that was a real, um, real thing from, <clears throat> excuse me, from tower records. Like the employees would, um, pick the music that played in the store. And, uh, I guess there was one employee that, sh- that the, uh, writer worked with that would just play like the same Dio album over <laughs> and over every shift. So they instituted the veto. And so they kind of brought that into the movie for that. And there's a little, um, a piece like in that back employee area, there's a little, there's a lamp that looks like it has a Dio hat on it. I feel like that's a callback to it. AJ just burns the CD, which seems like a little harsh. <laughs> um, that's what you did when you were pissed at someone mm-hmm. or didn't want to hear their music. My brother definitely did that to my CDs. Wow. To be f- I say to be fair, James, do you not remember weird personal anecdote aside when we went to Seattle on a class trip mm-hmm. and our friend Marcus for some reason in the airport was like, check out my book of CDs that I brought. And he pulled out like a Backstreet Boys CD that for some reason other friend just like threw it. We just <laughs> threw it across the terminal. <laughs> like it just, it slid like a rock skipping on a pond. <laughs> yeah, I do recall that. And Marcus is oh like, well, I'm obviously not going to go after it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only thing worse than having a Backstreet Boys CD is chasing after. Well, like, yeah, like, like, like fighting for it. <laughs> No, it's mine. They also have like um, this weird siren on top of the uh, the sound system there. Where they like they just occasionally like turn that on to like let you know they're changing the song or something. I think that's let them know veto. Like yeah. fuck your song. We're gonna play something different. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, and this is when Mark also sings aggressively at us. Yeah. Yeah, he sings like the first couple lines, I think, of that. It's a scene by Queen Sarah Saturday. Mm. And then we get our taste of uh, Say No More, Monet More, the music video here. <laughs> and then I like how it's oh like it, it cuts to uh, like Mark doing the dance with uh, the girls there. That I music mean... video is so, so 90s. Mm-hmm. And perfect. Oh, my God. They even have one of the dancers in the background. She had a shaved head. I don't know if that's like a nod to Deb or Sinead O'Connor or both, but I feel like the shaved head thing was definitely a thing way more in the nineties. Well, they, they filmed the music video way before production of the actual movie. So mm-hmm. it's funny that they were just like the head, like that was the artifact that all the actors had to work with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I was just going to say like, you kind of get a clue to how young Liv is that she's getting a ride to work and the ride has to be at work. So like Liv Tyler is obviously showing up for her shift hours earlier despite the fact that she would definitely show up for for uh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. she's also Um, really tall in this movie which is funny when she has scenes with uh aj later on the rooftop like their romance scenes Mm -hmm. okay so at one point mark says this line to joe that freaked me out in this like out of context where he just says to, to joe one of these days i'm gonna show you little people yeah I was like, "What the fuck?" It seems like, like they never, they never totally knew like what's Mark's motivation. Like he's just like this weird kind of like stoner guy who likes punk music. Yeah, yeah, and he also that was like one of the few times in the movie he is actually serious mm-hmm. and doesn't have that little like stoner giggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also like comes up with the idea at the end to save the day. So it's just 
kind of weird all the boxes that he ticks. <laughs> well, it's like it's like thank God Warren shows up to make Mark like not the potentially weirdest threat in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Warren. Um, yeah. So I, I so so Joe's furious. He finds out about the money. Lucas He's shows about to up. Murder yeah, Lucas. And he knocks the uh, quarters yeah. all over the place. Well, and and this is where I would straight up murder this guy in front of my employees. Joe quite rightly says, what is the money doing in Atlantic City? And Lucas says, recirculating. (laughs) Like so serious about it too. Like, and he just has this very, like every time he's replying to Joe, he just has this like, duh, energy to everything that he says. And I just, that would drive me crazy. I'm surprised he didn't throw him around sooner. Yeah, he shows a lot of restraint there. Liv Tyler gets the um, the flowers delivered, which at first I thought this was going to be like from AJ, like secret admirer thing. But I guess it's just from her dad to mm-hmm. to let us know that dad's never like happy enough with her. Yeah, they they drop like a few hints in there, you know, like, oh, her dad says there's always 24, hour, you know, 24 usable hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, dad says I have to get an A in calculus, even though I hate it. So we just kind of get this picture painted of a character who doesn't even make one appearance at all. <laughs> Um, and just, you know, kind of the pressure that she's, uh, she's under. But the thing we find out about AJ is that he has no finish, like no finish whatsoever. Um, so Kayla, I'm going to call you out again here because you Ooh. emailed the bros talking about PLL years ago to, t- to, to give us an, the most accurate read of the Hardy bros fuck styles that I've ever heard. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I did. So. I don't think I've shared it with James. So is if you is either mind, of them uh, a style of Mark making out with this photo or this, this of, big painting? Of, Glor- of Gloria Stefan? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of curious if you would talk about the Hardy Bros, but also maybe rate the fuck styles of the Empire Records, gents. Ooh, I may have to come back to that one just because there are so many of them, but I'll see what I can do. Um, so my initial um, email was that it was a comparison of, you know, Toby and Caleb was that, um, and this was before, um, time jump. Yeah, this was before, yeah, well, no, this was after time jump. This is when Spalib was like first happening, which is kind of why the whole mm-hmm. comparison was brought up. Like, well, you know, just bang both of them, like wonder mm-hmm. what each one's like. So, um, I felt like, and this is before, um, Hannah went missing and Caleb got like really shitty with showering. Spencer. Yeah. 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 That man stink. Um, before that. So I was thinking that, you know, Kayla would probably be a little bit more precise, maybe wouldn't last as long, but could go, you know, more rounds. Toby would be like probably more of a bottom, um, for sure. But just, you know, take his time, but not necessarily because he's focusing on the other person, but just, you know, taking his time. Um, is it just, but it has been a couple of years, but after Caleb pulled that shit with, uh, with Spencer, I kind of switched it up a little bit mm-hmm. like, Oh no, he just kind of seems, you know, pretty selfish. So, you know, my initial read might've been wrong. <laughs> we, uh, we did a test call the other day and we were, I brought it up and I was thinking, I was misremembering or paraphrasing my mind that one of them was the artist and the other was the jackhammer. Caleb's a jackhammer for sure. He just has that that energy about him. That blows my mind. I would think that Toby was the jackhammer. Like AJ. Like, I mean, I feel like. (sighs) AJ definitely like, I feel like he lights candles and sets a mood. 
Mm-hmm. But I feel like he'd also like, if, you know, you come home to that and he surprises you, if you're not having a good day or just not in the mood, he'd definitely make you feel shitty about it. If you're not into it. Okay. Um, but yeah, like he's artsy. So I feel like his whole thing might, you know, he might take the artistic nineties bro approach. I feel like when AJ, if like AJ is like having sex with like Liv Tyler's character, He'll probably be somewhat focused on her, but if he glances over and catches sight of himself in a mirror, he doesn't hate it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's like doing like Patrick Bateman like muscle flexes. Yeah, not full out of sexual, but yeah, but he doesn't hate it. Um, so Robin Tunney shows up. Yes, Deb, with her oh, Deb. short hair, but not uh, short enough. Yeah, I just you know. I love how her whole entrance, you know, we see her come in on that little yellow Vespa and then, you know, her greeting to the girls is just to flip them off and keep walking. <laughs> when I was first rewatching this, I was like really paying close attention. Like, is this uh, a wig that she's cutting in her note? She's really cutting her hair there. Yeah, that's that's definitely someone really cutting her hair. And that would have had to just be one take pretty much. Right. So that's. So to prove my point, would you sell your Vespa for Lucas? No. I sell it for the record store. Okay. But I, but I feel like she's selling it she to got, get him out of trouble. She got like what, nineteen hundred bucks for it or something? That seems like a lot yeah. for Vespa in, in the mid nineties. Also, right? she's like, How am I getting home? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um also I love that just the idea that you can walk into your place of business and your coworkers are like, Oh hi, and you're just like middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what song this is playing over her uh, head shaving, but it, it felt very apt. I think it might play again later. It's, it's free by the Martinis. Okay, I um, wrote down all the all the songs and the scenes that they play over. Although there were a couple um, songs on the soundtrack that I couldn't quite place in the movie, but all the ones I heard, I did write down and, and put the they're, scene over. They're like infinitesimal placings, like this, the Circle Friends by Better Nezra is so brief. And so faint. Mm. Yeah, I remember oh. always being fascinated by that. Like, because I was a big Better Nether fan of like, when does their song play in the movie? It's Rex Manning. Yeah. Oh, um, I didn't even. I don't even think I got that one. You you hear it so briefly, like it's like it's like the um, diegetic music playing somewhere in the record store at one point. So um, you know, Joe is wondering if Lucas is in trouble. Like he's trying to like like reach out to this guy. Like, why'd you take the money? And Lucas is just yeah. like everyone's in trouble joe it's like god damn you which like doesn't it seem like it'd make more sense if we didn't know why lucas did it because that's like a a mystery for half the movie to the other characters but not to us and we wouldn't you know we wouldn't um feel so much dislike maybe because Mm -hmm. it's still a mystery like we don't have the question answered yet yeah but i feel like we don't really get like a big emotive lucas confessional scene like we get like something briefly but nothing where he's just like, you don't understand, Joe, this is all I've got is this fucking record store where I can be weird or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, and, and it comes to the point at the end where, like, Joe just asks him, like, you know, Lucas doesn't bring it up, but he's like, you know, did you do this for me? Like, did you know, you know, was this all for me? And that's when Lucas is kind of like, yeah, you know, I can tell you're unhappy and, and, and they have a moment, but, you know, he didn't, like, come out and say it or anything when I feel like, you know, that, that conversation probably could have happened earlier on. So Liv Tyler is like working 
at the start because she has like a register and then Deb comes out with the shave head to like like tap her out on the register. So I guess then she just hangs out for half the day. Yeah, I was a little confused by that because Joe's like, hey, you know, you don't work till the afternoon, right? She's like, hey, it's Rex Manning day, like as she's working on her calculus, but then goes to work, works the morning shift and switches with Deb. I don't know. Oh, just like like a shift on the register. Mm-hmm. I like how Deb is just like, oh, by the way, like here's the uh, the bandage on my wrist. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. Are we just going to skip past Joe's heartfelt line to Lucas, where he says, "And I can't do the Austri- like the faint Australian accent, but the uh, every minute that goes by, and I don't call the cops, I look like a bigger banana head." Oh my god, banana head! Such a dad line. Uh, oh boy. There's another uh, dad line he says later. Trying to remember what it is. I'll come to what it. What was with the really weird like, like zoom in on like this dog statue? Yeah, I don't know. Was that part of a deleted scene? Maybe. I don't know. Is I, I think they're just like playing music outside. I mean, it's the whole thing where like Lucas isn't supposed to get off the couch, but he has to go to the bathroom. Like he's he's very literal in a way. Oh, and he just takes that fucking cushion with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an yeah. asshole. Um, I think it was kind of funny though, where he does the whole like inching thing where he like, you know, just gets up like a little bit more and more and more and tries to see. And then at one point he just has like a toe on the couch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the physicality of it was funny. I mean, Lucas was like this character who take a character that's designed for me to hate in 2020 and put him in all the, like the, the tropes of a, of the fun rascal character that I should like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are you going to talk to us about his fuck style later? Uh, I feel like he has none. <laughs> I feel like it's a void. It's an empty space. Uh, I he just like, like that mind games. So that would be, be Ooh, interesting. It's like he's on top of you. He enters you, and then you look across the room, and he's also somehow in a chair watching you at the same time. And you're like, what? He um, probably would start and stop a lot. Yeah. Um, I liked the Dev's line though. I decided I'd rather kill myself than meet Rex Manning. <laughs> <laughs> Her whole glib attitude. I just, I appreciate it so much more now than I did, you know, the first few viewings of this. Mm-hmm. Also, she was, you know, kind of bitchy and intimidating when I was young, but now I'm like, oh, I feel, I feel that energy. So fierce. <laughs> I was like, um, Gina does this kind of weird move where she's like rocking her fingers back and forth as she goes over to turn the music off. I don't know why that's like burned in my brain. It's like something from this movie, like the way she like dances through all these guys like thrashing around. Yeah, like the whole like excuse me as they're like moshing. <laughs> moshing. <laughs> I mean Well, they're basically moshing. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's just so funny to think that, that was that was like a really big thing in the nineties. I don't know if people do that anymore. Oh okay. my god. Yes, they, they do. do. I've gone to rock concerts and I swear to God, every time I you know, because I don't mosh, I'm five foot tall, mm-hmm. like I'll die. So you know, I swear to God, there's always a mosh pit that just starts right in front of me. It's like somehow I just attract them. I fucking hate it. What? Yeah, they still do it. What's the difference between moshing and slam dancing? I think moshing is more about like group? beating the shit out of each other. Okay. From what I've seen, anyway. Um, you know, like I had friends that would go mosh, like I just got punched in the face, and they love it. Like they were like, "This is great." Um, but I feel like slam dancing is more dancing. You know, I can definitely remember meeting people in the 90s who like they were into like moshing, like like looking to get a little bit violent out of it, you know, like looking to throw themselves mm-hmm. into other people. OK, so segue. 
let's die let's put on our swim trunks and dive into the uh Liv Tyler versus uh Deb dynamic. Liv Tyler can, versus Deb or um Well just like uh Corey versus Deb. Like you can taste mm-hmm. it in the beginning. The when like she shows up and like Corey is just like this is a joke, right? And, and uh, Deb is like, no, you're the joke. <laughs> I mean, I think a little bit because Corey is on Deb's spot. Like, they're both the brunette, but uh, Corey's taller with longer hair. So I feel like there's a little bit of tension just because of that. She's like, I'm the Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the Phoebe. <laughs> well, and I feel like, um, you know, Corey has that thing. Like, she just seems so put together and like, you know, she like so perfect, like, you know, what Gina fucking freaks out on her about later. Um, and I feel like that's something that is just, you know, not what Deb is about at all. And actually when she realizes that, you know, she's a little cray and does not have her shit together, that's when she starts to like Corey. So I think mm. she can kind of smell the bullshit of that whole, that whole facade. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. that has something to do with it. Yeah. She definitely is on the Corey's bullshit. Um, yeah. I think this is the part in the movie here where Joe's fed up. And so he passes out the uh, like little employee regulations for music town here. Oh yeah. That's when Gina plays a song and then she comes, you know, she plays the money song. They start dancing and having fun mm-hmm. with it. And then she comes on the intercom and it's like, yeah, Joe's money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, that's when he comes out all pissed off and everyone like stops dancing. And it's like, Oh shit. We poke the bear. So repeatedly for all these fun scenes, I would just write in my notes. Everyone's in the back room. Does nobody work in the store? <laughs> Though it, that's not fair. Like a murder mystery, there's always two people missing. I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, uh, then it's Rex Manning Day here with the video killed the radio star playing as they bring out the the big like cardboard stand up of Rex Manning. That was such a great song to play, like for Rex Manning's entrance, just because I mean that was the first music video that premiered on MTV and it's also, you know, video killed the radio star. So it's very much like, you know, a direct correlation to, you know, they're, they're definitely the radio star and Rex Manning is definitely video and he's trying to kill their, their whole vibe of being so commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the, the deleted scenes of him and Burko are all about how he knows that he, he, he doesn't have a ride because uh, Jane left him. And so he's like, he runs into Burko at like the docks or whatever and complains that he's sold out and therefore like he's not allowed to make the kind of music he wants to make. Whatever. The redemption oh, so of they, Rex Manning. They try and redeem him? Yeah, yeah. Gross. Yeah, we don't um, need this. No. Fuck that. Just let him be, just let him be evil. That's fine. The fact that he later does the rock and roll thing while squirting mayo onto his plate. Anyway, um, so Brendan uh, Sexton third shows up here who I hate and everything except for maybe Russian Doll. Um, we see Warren like shoplifting. He looks a little bit like he could be the little brother of like baby Ryan Phillippe. I get a little bit of, um, is it the Shermanator from the American Pie movies? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I had that too. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about that actor. He was actually in a movie with our very own Eden Hart. Sorry. Ian Harding. Oh, it was called, it was in 2015 called, um, addiction, a sixties, Love story. Is that the one where he's like a in the porn industry? Yes. Okay. With uh Luna Lovegood, I think is in that, right? I think so too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just I was looking up, you know, different people on IMDb like, oh, I wonder what else I've seen them in 25 years later. And I saw, you know, Ian Harding's, you know, picture on the cover of this movie. I'm like, what? So so that was cool. Is that the one where he grew the crazy mm-hmm. stash? I think he might have a mustache in that, yeah. 
Wonderful. He was. What if he? He was He was like executive number two in uh, that driving movie. Um, what was that oh, one with uh, Matt Damon uh, and Ford, Christian Bale? Oh, Ford versus yeah. Ferrari. Yeah, yeah he's just yeah. like like one of the Ford executives. He's like in a lot of scenes, but doesn't have many lines. It's pretty weird. Ian Harding should always have a mustache going forward. <laughs> I and he should pronounce it. He should pronounce it. He should pronounce it mustache. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Warren, yeah, so, Warren has special shoes for shoplifters. He's and he's like apparently like an eagle eye because he spots this dude like from the break room in the back. Well, because he's so fucking obvious about it, though, you know, like looking around all suspiciously, you know, just that well, little. So you know. I have two things in this scene with Warren or with uh, Lucas. I wrote down number one. I know this is an ensemble, but I'm not really sure who the male lead is supposed to be. Number two, I was like, I hope Lucas pisses himself because he has to get off the bat to go off the couch to go pee at first. So hateful. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's like talking to Mark, and like Mark is just like, oh man, I want to start a band. And he's like, okay, what are you going to call it? I'm going to call it Mark. He spelled it with a C or K. And Mark has to look at his own name tag to find out how his name is spelled, which is too high. It's way too high. Yeah, <laughs> but he's still able to work and apparently do a good job. So. Yeah, we get more more yeah. fourth wall breaks from Mark here as he screams shoplifter to the camera. Yeah. And this very just bizarre kind of it's not exactly a chase sequence here. It's like just this weird comedic sequence where Lucas keep is somehow like always a step ahead of uh, Warren the shoplifter here. And they even like get on the intercom PA to like announce what's happening. Yeah. Renee Zellweger cannot yeah. not get on the intercom. Yeah, she's always on that thing. And I love how, um, like, when he's just talking to him before, you know, he uh, confronts him and chases everything. He's just, like, fucking with his head. I just thought that was, I thought that was really funny. That part of Lucas I did like. He's just, you know, totally messing with this kid. Um, I worked, my first job was in retail. And um, I remember the whole, you know, spotting a shoplifter and, like, how you talk to them and stuff like that. And it just kind of kind of brought me back to that. Lucas is just like clotheslining him with the car door because that's that's how you stop shoplifters. Mm. <laughs> you wouldn't immediately get fired for doing that. It's something or that soon. happens. Yeah. yeah, seriously, it's something that happens in Children of Men. Why wouldn't you do it in mm-hmm. Empire Records? Um, so Rex Manning shows up with his assistant, played by Debbie Mazar, mm-hmm. in a, um, a an against type role, wouldn't she say? What yeah. is what is her type? Uh, I just think of her from Goodfellas. I think so. Seeing her okay. as like the like the, the fake short red hair just seemed very weird. Um, apparently, her look was based off of Madonna's agent's look, mm. like the makeup, the red wig, the hat, all that. I mean, I kind of think she rocked it, but yeah, she definitely looks good. I have a lot of questions about what like she just shows up later asking for a job. Like, do you live here, or like where so, did you come from originally? Apparently, yeah. a, a lot of deleted scenes of her and Joe, mm, okay. mm. which would make a lot of sense because they seem to vibe immediately. Mm. Yeah, and it seems I love like she's they like, know each other. Yeah, yeah. When he when she's like, "Can I have a job here?" I want him to be like, "Well, I haven't. Wh- who haven't I hired today? Why wouldn't I hire you too?" <laughs> <laughs> no wonder this business is failing. I'm hiring every fucking like the the stoner pizza delivery guy. I hired him somehow. Well, AJ does quit, so I suppose you'd need to get at least one new uh, employee there. Yeah, that's true. Also, Rex Manning is complaining about his haircut. Does that oh, hair God. look like it's been cut? 
<laughs> well, it's it's longer in the video. Like it's it's okay. it's more like kind of feathered and and shaggy in the video. So mm. yeah, and like oh, the venue's too small, and he's just you know basically trying to bitch out on the whole thing. And we get the uh, the classic scene where Gina comes out wearing only the apron <laughs> from yeah. Music Town, and Warren, well, Warren, Warren is pretty uh, obsessed here. Yeah, yeah. sploosh. Um, this place is a wild HR nightmare. <laughs> just a poster for shit that would not fly today. Like their HR consultant only comes once a month, but it's always the greatest day of their month. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also love- Warren, Warren is just like, he's just like, my name's Warren Beatty. And they're like, fine, we're going to call you Warren. <laughs> and I love that. We never learn his real name. Like we yeah. never should. He just, he's just Warren, Warren now. Man. Yeah. I love it. Uh, somewhere in here, you've got the, some of the classic Lucas moments, like damn the man. Or uh, mm-hmm. who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. Um, yeah. So Rex Manning showed up, like we said. Corey is soaked immediately. Gina is flat out like, "Welcome to Empire Records. How may I service you?" <laughs> and did you notice that um, Debbie Mazur's character like really gives her a couple once overs? Nice. I feel like maybe they're you know maybe she was vibing with her a little bit there. Just definitely checking her out. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Mazur is like, I'm into all of it, all of it. <laughs> Um, so they take some photos of Warren the CDs he stole, which turns into like a Polaroid photo montage. I love the shots with Rex Manning. Too. Yeah, oh Rex Manning's God. getting in on it. Because Warren's like, what the fuck? Like, get out of here. Um, then we get to see like Rex Manning go on the floor of his adoring fans. There's the oh one guy who's wearing the similarly stupid blouse. And that actor looks so familiar too. Like, I feel like I've seen him in other stuff, but I can't quite put my finger on what. Yeah, there's um, there's definitely a couple instances of like 90s homophobia in this movie oh yeah 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 well because yeah. earlier it's not as blatant as some other movies but it, it's there mm-hmm. well earlier the thing of joe it's almost again to, to name check friends again it's the oh my god my wife carol is a lesbian mm-hmm. yeah um, that, was, that was like but, the worst thing that could happen to you in the 90s apparently is your wife leaves you for another woman yeah but uh my number nine top moment is when rex manning comes out and he's just like I'm not sitting in that chair. It's a dumb looking chair. <laughs> and Joe has to kind of communicate to us that like, man, this guy's a douchebag, but I'm going to like, you know, tell, tell him to get another chair and like fix the situation. Yeah. Well, he has to put up with so much shit already from his employees. It's like, well, he already kind of has that, you know, that attitude ready for Rex, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Rex Manning is signing autographs. This always reminds me of, uh, my dad has this great story about, uh, waiting in line for a Tom Petty back in the, I guess it was the early eighties. Like my dad was not a Tom Petty fan, but he like, he liked the cover art for like whatever new album that Tom Petty's had. And like, they were giving away like big posters of the album art. So he waited in line at like a local record store for Tom Petty and he like gets the poster. And then he's like, no, I don't want you to sign it. I just wanted the poster. <laughs> and Tom Petty was just like, Okay. So your dad who also took the day off work when Nixon resigned? Mm-hmm. As you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, so this is like the, like you said, the the girl comes up and she's just like, you were my favorite singer in high school to Rex Manning. Oh, who's your favorite singer now? Oh, uh, you. Still you. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in the back, AJ is like sketching these almost erotic illustrations of Liv Tyler. Oh, they're definitely erotic. It, well, like, well, it's very um, like what is the style here that he's doing? 
it's I don't know, but it kind of reminded me of her character in Lord of the Rings a little bit. I, it, just like that fantasy yeah, yeah. Type style, you know what I mean? <laughs> which is interesting considering mm-hmm. <laughs> she becomes a Lord of the Rings character, which is like she's the last character that I think I would have expected from the Empire Records cast to be in Lord of the Rings, but I don't know who I would have expected more so. You see like Rory Cochran as an elf. Honestly, it would probably be Anthony Lapaglia as like a dwarf. Mm. Oh, like, I can see him yeah. as like Boromir or Faramir. Can you see him just being like, under my ox? <laughs> I could actually. Yeah, and then he plays drums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's probably because I, you know, remember her so much from Lord of the Rings. That's probably why I thought of that. But um, mm. yeah, I don't know. Also, what is AJ's job here? Because he never touches one ounce of work. Well, I think he, he opened, but then he also had to close later. So, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's... Is he just taking a break for his double in the back? Maybe? Is he just the eye candy? I don't know. I know he mans the store when Warren comes in later with a gun. Other than that, I don't remember seeing him at the front, like cash register area. Hmm. Well, do you think when Joe's hiring people for his record store, there's like kind of a, a certain like cool cachet that you have to fill like like you can't oh, be yeah. a total nerd you have to like be cool in some way because it all seemed like the people who worked at record stores are like pretty cool well how does yeah. mark get a job then he, well he's but he's like weird spazzy like you know metal he's guy. an outcast yeah. so yeah i can mm. see that it's definitely like the island of misfit toys mm-hmm. i mean the most egregious hire to me is the pizza delivery guy they hire the pizza Eddie? delivery guy he shows up to like clock in later when we're about to oh, find Eddie, out that Eddie, Gina. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like that dude. I don't think he's delivering is... the pizza. I think he just brought the pizza with him. Yeah. Cause no, he was at lunch. Right. And then he comes back with pizza for everybody. I thought he was like, he didn't just like show up with pizza and they're like, you're hired. No, no, no. First but he I... showed up with weed brownies. Right. I think he showed up with weed brownies. Then I think he went to his pizza job <clears throat> where he served lunch to Gina and Corey later. And then I think after he got off that shift, he came and did his shift at the record store. Cause oh, he's he like, does? he's like clocking in or whatever, right before we find out that Gina fuck Rex Manning. Oh, and he does change a shirt too. So yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, just he's, has a couple jobs. He is yeah. on the staff. Yeah. Um, but also this line reading from Lucas, is stuck with me all these like 25 years when he's like shooting the shit with Warren about like, criticizing his musical taste of like rap <laughs> metal rap metal whitney houston (laughs) oh that's for my girlfriend (laughs) they're really mean to jane here like they're just like really dragging her for it's like it's not her fault that rex manning sucks well they don't they don't know what it's like to be an adult and just do a job because it's a job you know (laughs) also the dig on the type of men that listen to rex manning's record yeah 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 Oh, the, the whole conversation of Axel Rose is driving down the highway and he saw Rex Manning <laughs> stranded on the side of the road. Do you think he'd stop to help him? No. Warren cuts in. No, he fucking hit him with the car. And then you see Warren is quite a spaz as well. It almost, it does kind of feel like he's stepping on Mark's territory a little bit. He's like the angrier Mark. Yeah. And younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Mark before Mark found weed. <laughs> yeah. Which really calmed him down. Um, <laughs> So Berko shows up with his fucking guitar. This guy looks like antimatter Bon Jovi. 
Um, I just love him just straight up LOLing in Jane's face over the fact that she works for Rex Manny. <laughs> well, and then they're like, at some point they're like, Hey, uh, just so you know, your, your girlfriend showed up with, uh, with, uh, like, you know, wounds on her, her wrists and she shaved her head and he's just kind of like, huh, whatever. He does also, look a little guilty yeah. though. I thought like he has this, this kind of side look. I don't think he wants other people to see it, but. Also, I maintain that Burka will be the most affected by the changes at Music Town because he's shown up to work in a leather vest of no shirt and he will just have his guitar slung on his hip the rest of the movie. (laughs) Like Music Town's not going to truck with that shit. Right. And I do, um, I heard to mention this with like the introduction of other characters, but it seems like every time someone new, you know, comes in like, they somehow have heard about Lucas and what he did. And again, this is like before cell phones, you know, and who knows when they've had time to call everybody else and, you know, let them know the gossip, but like, Hey, you know, we heard, we heard about what you did. Like, did you steal $9,000 or is, <laughs> did you like marry a mobster's wife and have a hit out on you? Like, <laughs> the story just like keeps ever changing. It's, you know, every time someone new comes in. Mm. So, so Jane goes and tells Joe that she's quitting. He freaks out. I'm not sure why. Because why would he care about Rex Manners, Manning's minder quitting? But like I think the thing about this movie that works though, that still works on this rewatch too, is you know that they've like gutted this movie in like the editing process. Mm-hmm. Yet the bones still kind of like I still feel Joe, even though I I like I obviously there was more to him freaking out and needing to play the drums so violently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, then we meet Mitchell. Mitchell shows up and oh, he's a typical asshole owner. He's kind of like finding an excuse to order Joe around here and kind of embarrass him in front of Rex. Yeah. Yeah. He totally calls him out in front of like Rex and all the customers and you know, like you're not doing enough to make, to make Rex happy. Like he's this big fucking rock star. It's the one time that Rex seems like he's like not a horrible person. Cause he's kind of chill about it and like, Oh no, no, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Or that's just a put on, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm so humble. Um, so are we at the montage of people listening in the listening booths? Well, they Joe puts a bunch of like pieces of paper into the the bag there, the money bag. So it's kind of now he's he's really Almost. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now um, I think after that is when um, Deb and Burko have their their little moment. Mm-hmm. And she's you know, like, "Don't touch me." Like, yeah, and you know, I mean, to his credit, he doesn't continue to touch her or fight her at all. She's like, I want you to stop touching me and walk away. And he does. So he actually listens when she tells him to get the fuck away. So the only thing that was different was something else that's making me feel shitty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did I miss the, Did we go over Mitchell? Yeah. Mitchell arrived. Mm-hmm. And it was a dick. I mean, Mitchell, yeah. I like the, I like Mitchell like complaining to the hot girls at the counter to stop doing hot girl stuff. When selling cassettes, like well, he walks I always in and think says, back, "Like there should be more purchasing here, or something like that." Less shimmying. Yeah. More I purchasing. always think the one thing that Britta said right on Community was when she told Annie, "Don't worry about it. We're hot girls. We're good for business." <laughs> well, um, I love Britta. She lived in New York, um, <laughs> so like on the roof. This is where uh, uh, AJ, because he's he's declared himself that he has until one thirty-seven in the afternoon. To like tell uh, Corey that he loves her. So he's practicing with no game. Like, Corey, you're like a bath or fr- French vanilla ice cream. 
so bad. But I mean, I feel like if you were struggling this hard, some part of you knows there is not a two-sided connection here. But I feel like like yeah. back in the 90s, this was like endemic. It was like he can't just like ask her out to coffee. He has to declare his love. Yeah, it has to be this big sweeping mm-hmm. declaration. And uh, I mean, it, I'll talk about it later. But, you know, do we really see AJ and Corey interact before? Like he mostly just talks about her and he draws her. But there's not a whole lot of direct communication between the two of them to really establish that um, that relationship that mm-hmm. both of them you know, touch on later. Yeah. It's not like they have like cute moments or you can kind of see chemistry on either side there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They barely interact. Just, yeah. And the thing about AJ too, he really has a lot of that like nice guy energy, mm-hmm. like and not the good kind, not the Gavin Rossdale kind, <laughs> not that razor blade suitcase kind. Yeah. I mean, like he, he's like a Shakespeare character who walks in and like does his like uh, a side where he's just like, my defining character trait is that I'm in love with this this uh, high schooler and I don't know how to say anything. Also, I've got a fucking pocket watch. Oh yeah, the pocket watch. And I love that Lucas says to you know him saying it's you know 1:37 p.m. That's an excellent time. Just such a Lucas line. I do like yeah. the line when uh, the cops show up to take Warren a bit away, and Lucas says, "The long arm of the law has embraced our dear friend Warren." <laughs> <laughs> And like uh, Warren has, has learned about the the situation with the money. And so he's like trying to tell him about it. Like, this is bullshit. That guy stole nine grand or whatever. And like, of course, you're not listening to him. I was totally trying to rat him out. I'll be back and you'll be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> also, Burko is just playing guitar in the background. <laughs> yeah. Again, like that's pretty much all he's doing in the background. is just I mean, when, playing guitar. When your name is Coyote Shivers, I mean, what else can he do? Okay. Again. You have to be in a band with that name. I don't want to be the Mitchell of this thing, but like if you cut staffing 75%, you've just saved Empire Records. Wow. You're just like, we're just going to fire half the staff. (laughs) Put in a bunch of self checkout terminals. I have never seen the dance numbers. I never really believed in time theft until I saw Mm. this movie again. (laughs) Damn the man. Yeah, damn the man. Uh, so I like man, Marco. Oh, my number 10 top moment is when Joe takes the stroll to find Deb and he stops by the listing booth and he just does the no, no, no finger to like <laughs> yeah, some couple. That's a little finger wagging. Like. Well, Deb's like doing their them. quarterly taxes or something. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I'm still not sure if she was quite serious or not. Like if that was just a sarcastic thing or if she was actually doing their tax paperwork. I think she's actually doing it. Yeah, well, she's got like a like a computer or something there that she's working on. Well, quite there to do a little young lady. I'll put it this way: I think Joe's real skill is in delegation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's like, "Should and I talking on the phone?" He says, "Should yeah. I call your mother or something?" And she's like, "Great, if you can find her, give me her number." It's like, "Ooh, yeah, ouch, yeah." But, but I do like their moment, and mm-hmm. like you know, I know you weren't trying to do anything, you know, but I feel like he's you know the one that kind of really really first at least gets to her you know oh has it happened yet it might have already happened but like when aj finds out about deb's suicide attempt he's like really confrontational about it like what the hell and it's like dude get out of her face yeah yeah he will not let her leave and like go work he's like no you need to tell me what happened and then there, lucas has to step in and be like she's you know she's fine let her go you is know? there maybe a version of this movie where 
the the plot with AJ is that he thinks he's in love with Corey, but he's never really talked to her. But like secretly, like him and Deb have like a stronger connection or something like okay. that. Okay. Okay. Oh my God, me, I would love that. Let me take this one step further. This is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Season it's it's kind of like Community to bring that back. Mm. Where the first season you think that the relationship is AJ and Corey is somewhere in season two. Oh shit! You realize it's AJ and Deb, and it's always been AJ and Deb. Mm-hmm. Like that's the heat. Yeah, if this were a TV show, I could totally see that happening. Yeah, um, I think this and is somehow Rex Manning shows up every week. <laughs> yeah, Rex Manning. It's always Rex Manning Day at Empire Records. Uh, oh this God. is where Corey kind of like goes insane on Joe, and she's like, "I need to bring him his lunch." Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a little jarring. Mm-hmm. It's just very like. There are some moments where it's, you know, it's fun, it's heartfelt, and you just get a moment like this where, like, bam, here's drama, you know? (laughs) She sets up lunch for Rex Manning, like Spencer Hastings doing that anniversary dinner for Toby fucking Kavanaugh. Only, (laughs) I kept waiting for her to be like, does it taste good, Rex? I baked my hair into it. Well, she's also, like, feeling herself (laughs) up while she's setting up to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so another deleted scene. When she Mm -hmm. does the striptease here, this is Gina's lucky bra that she's wearing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is why... Which is why she's giving Gina the bra back later. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, I think you need that scene because otherwise she's just taking her bra off at her outside a restaurant. Yeah, like, I was like, go. <laughs> I was like, what in the flash dance are you doing taking your bra off at this outdoor restaurant? <laughs> well, I think ever since I watched The Leftovers, like it's hard to get that version of Luke Tyler out of my mind whenever I see her in anything now. Cause I I think she she plays weird like cult figure like evil person maybe too well so would you say that you were crying when you met Mm -hmm. her but you were dying to forget her yeah (laughs) okay um so she's although that was that was an alicia episode wasn't or a music video was it not (laughs) the aerosmith show returns yeah she had crying and amazing and then it was crazy as a one with liv tyler i think oh yeah yeah crazy was one with liv tyler where they break each other out of school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good times. Um, yeah. So she tells Rex Manning this whole crazy thing about like, I imagine marrying you back when you were on the family way. And he's like, you must've been a baby back then. And she's like, I'm not a baby now. Oh, it just felt so gross. I just felt um, really gross. The way out. he just kind of like leans back and unzips. And he's like rock and roll. Uh, well, and he- like this devastation on her face like it's a realization hits like oh shit like this is reality mm-hmm. you know like this isn't the fantasy i built up in my head and you know it's kind of bad on gina for just like encouraging this right like i don't think that's that's a great friend move um yes and no like on one hand i i i like the friend who tells you to follow your dreams but if those dreams involve the older party saying how old are you? And you have to say old enough. Oh, I think and it's, also, it's pretty clear that Gina is someone who, who chases that. Like she, she finds this as a, a way to validate waterfalls. herself. Yeah. No. True. But I mean, but that she also knows that's not who Corey is. Mm-hmm. And Corey has this whole like thing built up in her mind. And Gina, who has some experience knows that that's not the case. Yeah. So, she should know. I, know. I think she might want to be well, like, Hey girl, this isn't going to be like what you think it's going to be, you know? I don't know that Gina's old enough, though, to be like, you know, the wise master necessarily imparting yeah. wisdom because she's still figuring her shit out. But also... That's true. I probably shouldn't put that on her. The thing that I hate and also love about Rex Manning in this scene is that he's tucked a napkin into his blouse. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was writing my notes and describing his outfit. It's a fucking blouse. It's like, <laughs> I hate him. But at the same time, again, there was a part of me who was like, if this is what I have to settle to be Rex Manning in the future, like that look. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and then, of yeah. course, perfect timing for AJ here to profess his love. And it's, uh, yeah, not the right time, dude. No. To, to, to the cranberries playing. Also, he's fixing the sign. What? Is he yeah. the electrician? What? Well, he finally fixes it like later that night, so it works. But yeah, I feel like if you're on your way to profess your love to a girl that you seemingly don't interact with that much, and you notice that she's crying or has just stopped crying, maybe call an audible there. But that's the also, thing. He didn't even notice that she yeah. was crying. Like, it wasn't even about her. It was about him. Totally. No, no you guys are both skipping over the worst part. Oh, go ahead. His story is about the oh day that she wore the skirt he hated. <laughs> And if he could yeah. love that skirt, he could love her. And he's like, I love you, obviously. And she's just like, oh, God, please mm. not now. <laughs> right? I can't fucking do this right now. Like, I just threw myself. At, yeah. And she's like telling him, I just threw myself a Rex Manning. You know, it was humiliating. It wasn't great. And then he just gets mad. Like, oh, my God, how could she be into anybody else but me? And like, that's all he fixes on. And he just like pouts and walks away after that. You know what she did, though? She say no more and Mona Mortis ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, will they let me get away with that joke? No. <laughs> they couldn't stop me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Real? so so she's talking to, to Gina later at lunch. This is like Corey's down in the dumps. And Gina's just like, you just need another guy. And Corey's <laughs> like, I'm not like you, Turbo Slut. Yeah, she's like, allow me to immediately <laughs> slut shame you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and they that's the beginning of their fight. Well, she's you know. like, I will fuck my way out of this uh, altercation. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm guessing that uh, Corey has told Gina what color his underwear was so she can go back and like have this whole pickup line about I, I have this talent of guessing what color your underwear is. Good question. Uh, yeah, or maybe she really does just have a gift. Mm-hmm. Because that seems like a line that she has used before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if uh, if you guess wrong, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Also, I love that she's hardcore flirting, making a fuck date with him. He's still signing the autographs. So it's like <laughs> whoever is like, you were my favorite singer is hearing her be like, I can guess what color your underwear are. <laughs> or is, yeah. So we get the the Edwin Collins song, which was yes. definitely on MTV and VH1 for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that song. Um, also, the answer was blue jockeys with the purple blouse. Mm-hmm. Navy blue. And then yeah. now Corey is, like, goes and finds AJ and she's like, so anyway, now that that's over, you still like me, right? Yeah, I'm going to pretend like nothing, nothing happened. Well, he's painting like the son of a bitch is on an art residency here rather than yeah. actually working a job. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that uh, Gene and Rex Manning are, are in that the copy room or whatever, and, and he's just like showing her the money. <laughs> and then uh, we see Liv Tyler do, do a little bit of bump of speed there. She's got her special pills. It's yeah. Like, uh-oh. I think that's the first time we see her do that in the, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that is the first time. So Deb makes the buttons. Mm-hmm. Which I think this was like a very 80s and 90s thing in, in movies was the idea of like your label, mm-hmm. like your your scarlet letter that you have to carry around. Dishonesty. Oh, I remember <laughs> I remember decorating my uh, my Jansport backpacks oh, yeah. in buttons. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Is it, um, is AJ the one who gets just stupid? I think it's yeah, yeah. STU dash PID. But again, the heat. Oh yeah, because they start oh rocking. God. Well, because she calls them all yeah. out accurately. Corey is dishonesty. Yeah. Mark is Mark sucks because he does. <laughs> and it's his band spelling name, like his band name spelling too. Mm-hmm. So she's already like insulting this band he doesn't even have yet. Yeah. So. They put on Rex Manning. He wants to make uh, Corey jealous. He starts like countertop lap dancing Deb. And at first, Deb is not into it. But then and he also he grabs her hand and puts it on his crotch. It's like, dude, don't do that. But then like she's, no. she kind of starts to get into it. And they're like basically like about to make out like shirtless in the middle of the record. Yeah. Store. Yeah. He just takes his shirt off, lifts her up. So she straddles in like it. Yeah. If there wasn't so, a copy room already occupied, they might have been in it a couple times. Do you minutes. think Deb is maybe a little bit like, I hate Corey, so I'm going to do this? Like, I don't know. Is there anything going on there? Or or uh, in your fucking face, Burko. Burko. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. Burko this guy. I feel like Burko well, wouldn't care. <laughs> well, like... Maybe it's where, like a Spike Anya situation a yeah. little bit. Top three places in the Empire Records facility to fuck? I feel like the copy room is my like not my number one. Oh, the roof for sure. Yeah, right. There's like a lot of gravel up there. Hey, that's a story. Oh, this is Maybe when they, they, borrow the, uh... they finally beat the shit out of Lucas here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the thing that happens. Like, oh, I guess Joe's had enough. He's gonna go rough up Lucas. <laughs> well, no, saying superb. <laughs> You're like, won't stop saying it. Prior to that, like he just starts yelling from like this upper level of the store at uh, Lucas and everyone. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I'm sure. Why are I'm you sure dancing? The, the customers probably love watching all of this drama. <laughs> like, this That's probably why half of them go into the store. Yeah. Like, just hang out, like you know, waiting. And uh, I feel like some of them in those, you know, those little like isolated rooms with the headphones, like they maybe don't even have the headphones on. I'm just kind of waiting in there to see like what the staff's getting into today with popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or you know full-on fucking in one of the stalls like one of the couples does and, and all you're gonna get is a no 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 finger i love yeah, i love so, the girl who's crying while listening to the carpenters that was, that was almost being my top <laughs> you know we totally skipped um i feel like we totally skipped that that scene it kind of pans over that and isn't that where um mark comes up to the ballet dancer yeah. and does this whole like creepy yeah. bit yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was so hard to watch. Which now I really hate because I think she shows up in another deleted scene because she's adorable, and I like found that just to be such a fucking weird thing. Yeah, it was gross. That, that song was me. like big in the nineties, if I recall. The yeah. Dark yeah, yeah, it was like such a romantic song. The Romeo. It was like the the song. romance song for Scream. Yeah, was it really? Yeah, the, it, it was like a different like a cover of it. I think, but. Mm. okay um so everyone's in the back now like lucas has got a napkin on his black eye or whatever and joe senses something and he's like where's rex and deborah's like i got a better question for you joe where's gina and then they all hear the the copy machine rhythmically going off <laughs> like giggling i think aj's like i'll check the roof <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, well yeah just, just uh, i'll go check these places to uh kind of help the awkwardness yeah, the Scooby-Doo gang pretending it's all happening somewhere else. And then the fucking stone pizza guy just shows up for his shift. Yeah. Well, then Rex comes out. What? No flaws. And then AJ just <laughs> assaults this guy. Yeah. I mean, I did like that, though, just mm-hmm. because I, I was so excited to see, you know, 
Rex get hit a little bit. So, and then he takes that fucking cheap shot, like um, yeah, total cheap. Joe shot. and Corey hold AJ back, and that's when Rex goes after him and punches him in the face, like. Uh, what a dick. I think Liv Tyler might be taller than Joe and also maybe like stronger. Like it, it is really funny just because she's like such like a, a tall actress, like the scene she has with some of the guys here. Well, she does have that speed energy. Mm, so. Yeah, true. That speed strength. AJ's like, step on me, Corey. <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of like, yeah, 100%. It's a cheap shot. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, Corey could do, or uh, AJ could do with a little bit of suffering. Like he's, I don't know. He's well, not he feeling his it. brand. Yeah. 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 Um, tortured artist. He's like, oh, you know, I'm sure inside he's like, oh, finally. And then like Joe later on, like tends to his wound and he just, you know, I'm sure he just loves the attention mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. He's got his battle scar for Corey. And then uh, ever, yeah. everyone gets to tell Rex Manning that his music sucks and he's a washed up imposter. <laughs> <laughs> it really hurts him. <laughs> just his fucking exit. Like, what do you call this hand gesture before he bows? The flourish. Yeah, the, yeah, flourish. The, exactly. The fucking flourish is excellent. <laughs> uh, I call it. I think an embellished bow. Yeah, 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 for sure. Why don't you all just fade away? Like what? Then we get the real showdown <laughs> between Corey and Gina here. Yeah, where it goes from, you know, like a two to a ten, just real fast. Throws her speed on the ground and Corey's like on her knees trying to pick it up. She starts (laughs) with like, in case you thought that my slut shaming you earlier was an accident, let me just say, so is this how your life's gonna be now? How you're just gonna screw every guy every has been until your tits fall down and you don't want they don't want you anymore? And Gina's (laughs) just like, Well, at least I'm not a closet speed freak, you speed freak. And I think at one point, like when Liv Tyler's on the ground collecting her pills, she like actually hits her in the face with a pill when she throws it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's not fired. Yeah. She just needs to go home for a while and cool off. Right. Like, have I fired anyone today? <laughs> no. Liv Tyler just goes nuts out on the store. She starts like stabbing the uh, Rex Manning <laughs> cardboard cutout. And that's like honestly i didn't like her character more than that scene yeah. when she just i like a little bit of crazy and they have to like dunk say. her in the water <laughs> like <Yeah>. well <laughs> just her yelling nothing will ever be fine <laughs> which you know what though maybe she's like cassandra and she's just sees the future because she's right <laughs> well dev is the one who just like grabs her by the hair and like throws her face into the water there i really love that scene between the two of them because they're both you know letting their their guards down their facades down a little bit um and i feel like deb gives her really good advice like really like that's how you wanted your first time to be like fucking rex in a copy room you know and she Mm. makes her laugh you know makes her also what did you think of the whole it's it's happening while she's on the toilet that is such a girl bonding moment it is it's like um a show of vulnerability i would have loved if deb washed her hands but i mean it's a movie so yeah you got to spend a little bit of reality for that, I guess. But right, a, right I, after, know. right after she's helped uh, live audition for the being the Noxima girl there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, all the times that James and I have given each other girl advice, well, one of us was just like, "Hey, hold on a second, I need to drop a deuce." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, dropping a deuce is a bit different than yeah. just being in front of someone. <laughs> uh, and then the scene that's burned in my memory: oh, Marcus in the pop brownies and watches the guar thing. 
I have I have quoted with friends so many times. Hey, Mark, you, you love guitar. guar. Why don't you join the band? <laughs> to me, it's a you play a mean guitar, man. It's really shame that you must die. Right. I, and there's this like um, some guy who I think is only wearing what looks to be like leather, black leather underwear and like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This <laughs> this scene did. to me is like a perfect Mark scene because there's no point in it even being in the movie. But it just kind yeah. of feels right for the character. Oh my god, and I love his Beavis impression. Fire, it's so great. Yeah, I mean, like the one guy in Guar is apparently the the humongous from the Road Warrior or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I even went and Googled because obviously that's not a Guar song that Mark is performing in the hallucination. It's a Daniel Johnson song. Mm. But I was like, this is the time when I was like, I really want to know what that song is. So Debbie Mazar shows up. Presumably specifically just to ask Joe out. But also, do mm-hmm. you need a mic manager? Which just makes me wonder, where do you live? Do, do Are you a local? Like, Yeah, that, that definitely had some deleted scenes. Is it like you're uh, from L.A. and you just decided to up and change your life right now? To Delaware? Because yeah. you like yeah. the cut of this guy's jib? Yeah. And apparently, um, just like the record story, it draws a couple people in. It draws her in. It draws Warren in. I mean... And I, but I do like that she took the initiative and was like, hey, you know, do you want to take me out to dinner? Right, take some notes, AJ. That's really great. Yeah, seriously. Like, um, this energy that she's giving off, that's what you want. That's what you want to go for and, and recognize. Who is the one who gives AJ the pep talk about it's a, the lack Eddie. of pep talk about Harvard? Eddie. Okay. It's a good, good well, talk. Like, 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 hey, uh, so are you going to move to Harvard with this girl? I mean, of course, he's like, yes, I will. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like trying to bring a little bit of reality and like, you know, kind of shitting on AJ's dream, but it's like it needed to be shit on. Mm-hmm. Face it, man. She's going to be fucking a Winklevoss. Yeah. Yeah, I think his his words were um, it's, you know, it's another planet filled with blonde guys who like to eat Ivy and rowboats. <laughs> <laughs> you and Corey are just not made for each other. And he just like immediately gets pissed and walks away. And I really, I got to say that um, when Eddie's talking to AJ, he's doing some major hand acting. Do you guys notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keegan Allen yeah. studied this for <laughs> preparing to be Toby. This movie is a classic. Who would Keegan Allen play in this, in the Empire Records? Uh, Burko. <laughs> really? So is, is that mean that Caleb is AJ? But Caleb's definitely <sighs> AJ, right? They got the okay. hair. Who, okay. Who is Joe. I don't know if he's angry enough for, or like if Adrian's angry enough. Well, who's Lucas? I mean, I guess Lucas could be Lucas. Lucas? Yeah. He kind of looks like him though, doesn't mm-hmm. he? I guess maybe it's just the dark hair and the dark eyes, but who plays Joe? Um, Ian Harding? With like a, like a crazy wig? Peter Hastings after a few drinks? Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I might need to lay down and process that. Yeah, that'd be great. I just want to see uh, uh, Nolan North play the drums now. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, time for the funeral. It's a shit ton of candles, which I don't doubt that Empire Records just has in the back room. And they also had a cross that was covered in moss and Christmas lights. Maybe it's yeah. like um, like their holiday decorations or something. I don't know. <laughs> they got it out of storage. I don't know. I kind of dig the uh, the goth holiday decorations if that's what they put up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I bet Halloween fucking slaps at Empire Records. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've already got Gina, or you've already got Deb. I mean, like, yes, you good. Um, yeah. So they're like, uh, um, they're, doing these, they're like, all just like hashing their shit out. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a little bit about Deb, but mostly about them, you know, talking about themselves and just Deb's whole energy through this. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's so great. Leaving Mark out there to handle all the customers. Joe doesn't even seem to care. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Joe has never done, like never lifted a finger (laughs) to do anything. Again, his skill is delegation. Yeah, he delegates. Yeah, he delegate. um, he's on the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I was writing my notes, like, what's Joe doing? Oh, he's on the phone again. Sometimes we don't even know who's on the other line. He's just like holding the receiver, you know, don't even know who's there. It's the it's the George Costanza thing. If you just hold a phone and look upset, people think you're busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does um, work. So Gina's like kind of talking to Corey about, you know, you're always talking about how I do what I want, but I'm not. I want to sing in a band. I don't have the guts to audition. I don't want to be like my mom. So we're going to all fix that on the roof of Empire Records on, in like 20 minutes. And just before that, like Corey has to say like, you know, I'm, I I wish Gina was here. Like she's not afraid to be herself. Like I wish I could be brave like her. So. And then you just see Gina kind of like creep in in the shadows, you know, mm-hmm. where she actually comes in. Not actually creeping. She's just kind of in the shadows there. Making sure she's not going to get beat up when she comes in. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder like how many scenes she was in the background. Like, was she just waiting around to be like, okay, are they, are they cool with me yet? Or? Seems like they're having a moment. It's a good time for me to step in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's again, make this more, not about Deb, but you know, but about us. Yeah, Deb thinks she's going to barf and she tries to get up and they just push her back down. Like, nope, you're dead. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this a scene where um, Lucas gives his, uh, his background? Yeah. He used to pee in his bed. He went to bed until he was 10. And uh, apparently he, um, his mom just like ditched him and he became like Joe's ward when he was like 13 or something. Yeah. After like three years of foster care or whatever. And which is like, like, Joe came in. I feel like I would have thought about him differently had I known that earlier in the movie. And it kind of makes their relationship make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's kind of a dad to everybody, but he's like an actual dad to Lucas. I mean, I don't know that I ever got the vibe though. Like I got the vibe that like they had this kind of weird mentor mentee relationship through the job. I never got the vibe that like, Hey kid, I probably picked you up from school. Also, where were you when my girlfriend was throwing me out at gunpoint? (laughs) I do feel like this relationship is interesting and probably could have used more or like, I don't know, like a, another pass on the the script or something. Cause it, it does seem like an interesting relationship between him and Lucas here. I would love I to read like the original script. Had, if we had switched the timing, I think of this reveal of um, Joe and Lucas's relationship with the reveal of like the reason that, that Lucas took the money and gambled. I feel like that would have been maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Doug takes oh, or, her. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I would say, or just make this a TV show. Like you can honestly go back and just oh, yeah, elongate all TV this. Show. This would be a fun like Netflix show or whatever. So but this wasn't in a golden age of TV though. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, like kind of like the you know, invariably all the shows that Netflix will cancel after one season, even though they're beloved. This would be a great like like set in the '90s like like Netflix show. Like everything yeah. sucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Warren returns with a gun. Well, is that their Deb? Uh, she takes her bandage yeah. off and reveals that uh, she tried to kill herself with a pink plastic pick with a uh, moisturizer strip. <laughs> with daisies on it. Yeah. I just, I love the whole, um, her whole speech there, like how she kind of does the, you know, the big eyes. So we just took another break. I feel like uh, we should ask, uh, you know, a little bit belatedly, what are we all drinking right now? 
Some live at 14 years um, on the rocks. Nice, because the basic people drink the 12. You're like, check out my 14. I like the 12, but... Some um, some serious scotch, would you say? Yeah. (laughs) I love scotch. I I will say that with Glenlivet... I'm out of wine. (laughs) Because I I cannot profess to be like a like a whiskey snob by any chance, but I will say that my first real awakening to whiskey was I had the twelve and then I bought like a cheap bottle at the fifteen at like Bevmo one night, and I drank it and I was like, oh yeah, I taste the difference. <laughs> my eyes have been open. Yeah, it's it's subtle, but it's there. I mean, the twelve year is still good. Um, but it tastes richer the older it gets. Like you feel like you're just throwing money in somebody's face. It's nice. <laughs> Marco, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, ginger ale and Crown Royal, hmm. like an adult. Ooh. Not not tonic, huh? Ginger ale, ginger ale, baby. Okay. Well, I'm uh, oh, drinking oh, alcohol free, just a limoncello liqueur. Um, I don't know. I like this flavor because it it smells like it would be creamy. I guess. I don't know if that's hmm. such a thing. I don't know. It's weird. It, it smells like it it shouldn't be able to taste this way. I guess. Do you remember way back when, before it was a fucking trash show nightmare of the beauty days, speaking of the 90s, of Loveline on radio? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people would do the soundboard where they would just edit out of context yeah. phrases to uh, <laughs> make them sound like very sexual and weird. <laughs> I just want someone to grab that soundbite of you saying, it smells like it should be creamy. <laughs> I just want that to be on Archer so we can hear him say, praising. Yeah. <laughs> said Bishop, to, or said the Ripley to the Android Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like are they not doing sploosh anymore? I haven't watched uh, that show in like three years, probably. But I think they finally really? stopped doing the the dream sequences. Yeah, I saw like the first couple episodes of the return, but um, I was in a little bit of an altered state, mm-hmm. so I definitely need to go back and watch those, and then the rest of them because I'm pretty sure the finale just came out. Oh, oh wow! I think like okay, what was? What was last or what was first? There was Dreamland and then there was Danger Island? I think so. Yeah, it was Dreamland, Danger Island, and then uh, 2000 or two, uh, whatever the future one mm-hmm. was. Okay. I remember like I felt like I was dragging my corpse through Danger Island. Yeah, I don't think I made it that far. I, I found Dreamland kind of like, I don't know, just not as fun. The yeah, first episode yeah. of Dreamland had no jokes whatsoever. It was just like straight noir. Yeah, they said that um, afterward, like, yeah, it got a lot darker than we originally mm-hmm. intended. Yeah. So they, that's, I think, why they, you know, did Danger Island the way they did. You know, it was much more um, goofy and fun and, like, adventure-based. Mm-hmm. So Speaking of getting darker, Warren showing up with the gun. This just hits way oh different now than it did in the mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there were little, little bits, you know, throughout, like, with with Warren that were like, here's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Here's another red flag. And everyone's like, ah, oh, no, you know, what are, what is, what is a red flag? We're colorblind. Cause even though he's got the gun, I feel like the way it's played, you never really feel like AJ is about to get shot. You know, like even mm-hmm. though he's being held at gunpoint, like it's still, it's just a little too goofy. <laughs> I don't know. When I first saw this and all you hear is like the gunshot, but you don't see anything. I'm like, Holy shit. Like, did this movie just take another dark ass turn and like AJ's dead? You know, like who knows? In your face, but, Corey. I mean, obviously, I love Deb like well, walking right out to him, and he's just like, "What the hell's wrong with?" Oh my god! I talked to God. Dead. I talked to yeah. God, and she said, "Yo, what's up?" She wants you to lose the gun. 
I wanted AJ just yeah. to have like a dark spot on his crotch where he pissed himself for the rest of the movie. <laughs> his name isn't Warren. I thought his name was Warren. <laughs> I know that little bit that they do where like everyone just pops out like one right after the other. Oh, I love that little bit. That was good. That should have made my an honorable mention on my moments. Even Burko. Yeah. Burko shows up. <laughs> um, one of the few times he actually has like a line to do with the plot and not just music. Yeah. He's not like strumming. <laughs> His name's not Warren. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Um, and so of course, like in the nineties, anytime that there's like a big moment, that's where somebody has to break down and say the thing that's really bothering them. Like, what the fuck, Joe? Lucas steals nine grand. You don't get dick done to him. And everyone's just like, you want a job? You little piece of shit. Yeah, like this is how you go about it. You think you're and so then, happy and you're so goddamn great because you work at a freaking record store. Yeah. And then Scooby-Doo ending, we cut to the cops. They're like, well, he's a minor and the gun was loaded with blank. So there's not a whole lot they can do to him. It's like, what? <laughs> they make him a name Which tag. Which only passed in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That would not fucking fly today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, you're going to prison for several years. Yeah. But here's a name tag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... So the other cons know who they're beating up. <laughs> oh, will you hold on to it for me? Yeah, so uh, Joe goes to call mm-hmm. Mitchell. Um, Deb gives Lucas two grand that she sold her vest before. Debbie Mazar mm-hmm. is like... $600 left from the Rex Manning expense account, which, fuck these guys. You can keep that $600, Debbie Mazar. <laughs> well, like, did she get She's that like from the She's like a part label? of the record store like now. A... Yeah. Um, everyone starts throwing cash. Joe shows up and gives Lucas his watch to pawn, which I, yeah. wanted, I wanted Joe to be like, wait a minute, fuck you, give me my watch back. <laughs> but I do love that, like, that moment they have where they're both mirroring each other and they share a look. I don't know, I just thought that was a cool little moment. Burko yeah. tosses in some Bazooka Joe for luck. Burko. <laughs> so Mark of all people has a brilliant idea. Uh, there's yeah. a news, news van outside doing a live update about the Warren gun thing. And he just runs out and gets some free advertising. He starts like yelling about their like after midnight party at the record store. And of course, damn the man, TV. save the empire. Yeah. 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 Um, I had to wonder too, like this brilliant idea comes from you know this the stoner who just had a you know a total out-of-body experience while eating some weed brownies like is he has he sobered you know sobered up yet or I like how the tv is also is black really- and white like i don't know by the mid-90s would you not have gotten a color television i don't I know a, we didn't we had, had a black, black and white, white TV, tv in my room really wow. yeah okay yeah our living room tv was black and white for a while yeah um but again, I feel like the weirdness of this cast and how diverse they are, I don't think I even realized it, but like, honestly, you could argue that the office ensemble is just as weird like as that show progresses. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they have a Creed, they have a Stanley, they have Toby. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Was it, uh, it's pretty <laughs> shocking, even for the internet. <laughs> So, I just love when he, you know, like, thank God it's Halloween today because he comes in with like blood stains on his shirt. <laughs> that's um, when I, that's the moment I realized, oh, I fucking love Creed. Um, so everyone gets to work like setting up this benefit to beg for money. One of the signs just says save endangered money. <laughs> uh, Corey at one point like writes $10 on some box and then Jane comes in and crosses it out and puts $20. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm a part of this now. They're like selling yeah, they're all, just like tw- all their old like merch and like band like art and whatnot. 
I'm pretty sure like some of AJ's paintings, maybe because he's you know, um, look like maybe some art that, that he this- did. This benefit saved his ass because it's like, what have you been doing this entire time when you're supposed to be working? Uh, doing art for our benefit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's Allison Chain's poster. Um, market some oh, kegs, which I feel like you don't have a license for that. I always love the, the kegs on the skateboard. That that image all stuck yeah. with me from this movie. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, some old ladies and curlers show up to drink the beer. Oh, I love that. Yeah, like everybody is showing up for this. I love how many people they get in such a short amount of time. It's a pre-COVID party. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Not worrying about social distancing. I know. It's so weird now watching any sort of movie or TV show when like people are just either in big groups or like in each other's personal space. Mm -hmm. It's just. I mean. So bizarre. Counterpoint. This is the first movie where I watched it and I didn't have that modern fear like placed upon it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, even like the Queen's Gambit, I was just like. You're just breathing that chess person's air across the board from you. Yuck. Um, so Mitchell shows up to this raging party. He's pretty pissed. Um, <laughs> like, how dare you guys make me all this money? God damn you. Yeah. Yeah. Comes in real smarmy and shitty. Joe quits. So he's going to yep. open his own store. Well, Lucas swaggers in. He's like, listen here, Mitchell. Here's the deal with Music Town. You're going to lose Joe. You're going to lose the employees. You're going to lose all the tattooed freaks who buy music here. And I want Mitchell to be like, yeah, none of this turns me off. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to sell it and bring it back to a bidet shop anyway, like it used to be. Yeah. Water splashing <laughs> on assholes. That's what I'm about. I do love in that scene, though, where he's like just telling that to Rex Manning and Rex Manning's face is just like, I could not give a single fuck about <laughs> whatever this guy's saying. Yeah. The old toilet. One of the few times I like Rex Manning. Yeah. And they're just playing up on the, uh, it's not quite the roof. It's like the overhang the platform, yeah. right? Yeah. Which that's, that's pretty cool. I've seen a band, uh, do that before. And it was, it was indeed very cool. They, they did this at one of the like, um, MTV yeah, award shows, like pre things. Yeah. It was when, uh, Pat mm. Smear quit the Foo Fighters. Oh, during the show. I think it was like announced at the show or something weird like that. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. I could just see like Pat Smear plays like Everlong and then he like opens an umbrella and just like floats away like <laughs> Mary Poppins. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, Coyote Shiver starts playing. People are showing up to dance. The skaters are bringing a half pipe. A group of hippies show up on their way to like kill Sharon Tate. There's like people dancing in the street. There's fireworks and shit. Um, right. There's girls party. in bras and panties dancing in their orange Music Town aprons. Yeah, I like that little detail. Uh, and then Mitch is overwhelmed singing. indoors. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone work here? You just see Warren <laughs> has a little beard giggling and shows his badge. He's got his red solo cuff, yeah. <laughs> um, like like the uh, most chill we've seen him the entire movie. Because he's drunk, yeah. Corey's on the street yelling up to AJ, who's still working on the sign. He can't like, hear. I thought obviously, so... He can't hear her. He's on the fucking roof and there's a band playing. I kept thinking like, what if he takes a step backwards and just falls off that roof? Down or in? <laughs> Flat. <laughs> and then, so they've, they've raised a whole jar full of money here. So uh, Joe just gives it to Mitch and he's just like, Mitch is like, hey, I'll sell this place to you real cheap. And just like walks off with the money. Yeah. For a, for a glass jar of cash. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? So up on just the, walks away, asshole. Yeah. So up on the roof slash stage, 
like even though she's just sang with them a little bit, Coyote Shivers convinces uh, Gina to sing the next verse. And he's just like, all you got to do is trust me. That's all you got to do. <laughs> right. Um, which I was just like, you should have put this earlier. We just saw her sing. Well, she's just singing the chorus, I guess. So it's different to sing lead. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah. a few lines as opposed to the whole whole verse. I mean, we didn't even hear her lines on the uh, soundtrack anywhere. So I feel like maybe she just added it in, like kind of ad-libbed it. Mm. And so he's like, okay, you know, you did a great job on that. Take the next verse. I hate this scene. <laughs> he's like, I'm kind of on the rebound since Deb and I broke up. <laughs> I hate this scene where it cuts to Lucas and he just like looks right at the camera. He's like, perfect. Well, not entirely perfect. Like just oh, get that out of here. You know what? Very fourth wall. The one time I didn't hate him. Wow. Okay. When he like black swans us. Yeah. It just, it just why. to me felt like, oh, his character makes a little bit more sense now. Like if he realizes he's a part of the movie, I can, I can get behind that a little bit more than just, you know, the rest of his affect. Through I'm it. telling you like episode nine of 10 episodes of season one of this show, he like has this extended monologue to the audience and he's like, you don't understand. I'm in a show and I know that. And for some reason, Mark also knows that too. I don't know how that works. But only when he's really, really high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Corey goes up to the roof and like AJ surprised to see her. He shoves him down. Yeah, yeah. hot, hot. <laughs> and then he like smiles. He's into it. Step he's on me, Liv Tyler. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then she's, you know, just going at him having this whole this whole moment and uh they're so special yeah. and you're so talented like they, they kind of like proves his worth to her by quitting and saying i'm gonna move to follow you to college and she's like that's romantic but he did that before he knew you know that it was reciprocal yeah, yeah. so he was just gonna follow her out there anyway mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the scene that's, too that's- where she's like, AJ, you don't understand. I'll be 18 in three months. And he's like, cool, I'm 32. <laughs> this is why I would just, I would love to do, you know, see like a reunion special, even like a few years in the future where they're just fucking miserable yeah. together. Cause it's like, it's dawned on her like, oh, this didn't start out great. What's, I don't know. I also felt like the Caleb uh, and Hannah, like living together through college, like there was no way that was going to work. Mm. No. I mean, even after they, you know, get together they were not happy. no ever like everything in the flash and the kid there. just makes it worse mm-hmm. here's the thing about worse. here's the thing about spalup that i think is important they have unique inside jokes that i don't think Caleb ever had i don't think hannah ever heard about his little doggy mm-hmm. that i'm gonna that's where i'm gonna rest my case for for this particular court session but uh i would love to see the flash forward of aj and Corey. i imagine it's like the uh third act before midnight but like all the time that or it's just like she's in college with all these like kind of harvard people and like her friends are just like you're really dating this townie <laughs> yeah how do you like them apples <laughs> um yeah so a lot of build up to the actual kiss a lot of that like uh like the lips are going to go for it and then they pull back i love that like psych out face that she does yeah um, gin plan. Yeah, I crank up that gin blossoms, and then yes. we watch, we watch everyone dancing. Yeah, and the the light finally works. Yeah, I mean, how do you even get a group of ten people this organized to do this? 
What, to dance on a roof? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I assume there's like a radio. So they're not just I like wonder. dancing to no music at all. <laughs> Someone's just like playing uh, like the the on their Walkman. <laughs> I feel like the, the rated R version of this is like they're all getting high up there, right? Like there's a reason they're all on the roof that's just not mentioned. Mm. <laughs> and then someone falls off the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or the after too many pot brownies. Or the massive noise complaint mm-hmm. and or operating without a liquor license and they're shut down forever. <laughs> Mitchell's just like, who's the owner? Uh Joe is now. <laughs> <laughs> there's this move where yeah, I feel like a certain part of oh sorry. I was gonna say there's this move where Lucas is like dancing by himself, like this like cool guy strut. <laughs> He's got a Ross Geller energy because I think Ross yeah. Geller does that in the Friends opening. Yeah. He definitely does. I do feel like um, the actor that plays Lucas, I feel like he has a lot of great physicality that I really appreciate. Which I feel like is wasted in every other, like, I mean, I've only ever seen him in like Richard Linklater movies after this. And he's always just like this weird stoned, like nobody in the corner. I don't know that I've really seen him in, in much else. Yeah, I can't think or even of it. Even if I have, I just keep coming back to his Lucas character. Yeah. Um, so the after credits scene, um, in which Nick about, Fury, like, sh- yeah, where Nick Fury shows up to see if uh, Mark and Eddie wanted to have Primus join the Avengers or whatever. I feel like Primus came up in so many conversations as a part of, and like the first half of the nineties. Well, this is such a fake conversation because in no no universe am I comparing Henry Rollins to Primus to the Pixies. And then the scene ends with a car crash. <laughs> I don't know. This felt very true to life to me. I feel like I was part of those conversations back in the day. These are people who don't know what they're talking about. Oh, I'll put it okay. that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, any complaints? I think I might have voiced, voiced mine a little bit already but not really establishing the relationship between aj and Corey, and just aj's again his whole nice guy attitude and approach like well i'm really great and i love you which means that you should feel the the same way about me and Mm -hmm. if you don't then i'm gonna be mad at you for it Mm -hmm. don't love that um the uh again just kind of the dramatic scenes where it would go like i mean drama's great but it just kind of went from at least for me you know, kind of fun and chill. And there just wasn't a lot of transition between that and like screaming Mm -hmm. and crying and the whole, you know, it just went from two to 10 real fast. Um, and it kind of, you know, just felt a little, little juxtaposition there. Um, yeah, AJ, he somehow applied to and got accepted to an art school in Boston within like presumably a couple hours. (laughs) And that was all before, uh, you know, he and Corey got together at the end. So like he was just going to move there anyway. Maybe it's one of those like for profit colleges where it's like, you don't really apply so much as you just, you know, send them money. <laughs> what if he just like faxed some what of money? his erotic drawings? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, I drew these on crumpled up paper of the 17 year old I work with. What do you guys think? And they're like, you're in. It's art school. Everyone's in. Um, <laughs> My complaint is I kind of want this movie to be an R-rated movie and that go there. Mm. Also, I kind of want this movie to just kind of own that it should have been the 90s Breakfast Club. Yeah, my big ones, I, I don't like the breaking the fourth wall moments. Um, I feel like 
we should have gotten more from Deborah's character. It feels like there's probably a lot yeah. on the cutting room floor there. Um, obviously some dated homophobia. And then just Lucas felt very inconsistent to me. Like sometimes he's like this kind of weird one. And sometimes it's like, he's a cool guy. And I feel like the movie couldn't decide what he was supposed to be. Yeah. Same with Mark too. He, uh, he flip flopped a lot mm-hmm. as far as his role. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could make there's... one change in this movie, what would it be? Well, Kayla? For me, it would be to create a different way for Warren to get hired at the record store <laughs> that didn't include a gun. It just, I mean, it felt really uncomfortable, especially, you know, post Columbine, yeah. post yeah. everything in our current, in our current world. Um, and uh, I mean, granted, I know we can't really look at it too closely with a 2020 lens, but just that just made me really. But I feel like there are so many other ways you can prove you're a misfit besides terrorizing people who don't realize you're shooting blanks. You know, you know he was pointing a gun at the customers. It just it felt um, a little gross, but um, that that probably be my one change. Because that's the one thing that I just kind of was stuck on on rewatch. Mm. I mean, it's definitely a choice for these movies or TV shows where they're like, hey, guess what? Redemption for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, definitely more Deb. Um, I like the idea of moving around in time, like what we find out about Lucas and therefore making also the reveal more interesting. Also, I kind of wish the movie dealt more with people's love of music and wasn't just about musical numbers yeah it's true that um, it's, it's not like high fidelity where they have like a lot of conversations about music really yeah i mean you they really only have one mm-hmm. really where eddie's like talking to that little kid at the end and he's showing him a record mm-hmm. and teaching him like the importance of music like i really yeah. love that little bit of that character too of all the characters it's that character too who's doing it which blows my mind but i mean there is an interesting story here about being stuck in a business that is about selling art and how those two kind of feed into each other. So yeah, something in there with everything else you guys mentioned. Yeah. I would have tried to hold off on revealing why Lucas did what he did. I guess I think that makes his character more interesting and and gives you like a big act two kind of reveal there uh, to find out that, Oh no, we got to save the store, that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe finding out about him and Joe's um, dynamic a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I still can't believe. <laughs> I still can't believe. I, I, can't, I can't ever see Joe being like, son, what do you want for dinner tonight? You would never guess well, that like, he lives think, with like, Joe. How did a, and like, how did a single dad, you know, adopt a teenager? This was the 90s. It wasn't as progressive, I feel like. I'll put it this way. Right? If, if, if these guys join a band, Joe is obviously playing drums. Lucas is playing maybe tambourine. Uh, he did have pretty oh, good like lead singer inter- energy there. Like when he was doing the uh, the lip syncing, I, th- I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, I feel like I get bassist energy from him though. Like <laughs> maybe, too, maybe like like too cool, like his cool guy energy. That's definitely a bass player. Maybe keyboardist with like some weird glasses. I feel like you need, yeah, like I feel and like not just keyboardist. He's like revealed keyboard. or like he's credited as lead keyboardist in whatever <laughs> band. <laughs> Keytarist, yeah. Oh, keytar. That's a whole different that's a whole different thing. <laughs> All right. Power rankings. I've got 13. I have 15. Wow, okay. I have um 20, 22. I think I also have 
13. Yeah, I do have 13. I just, I miscounted them. All right. Okay. Marco, hit us with your uh, 1415. Also, get a little closer to the mic. Sorry. Uh, my number 15 is Eddie the Stone Pizza Guy. Okay. Really? Yeah. All right. 14. I don't know if you've been listening to me this entire time. Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to my Lucas rating. Oh, it's going to be number two, isn't it? You son of a bitch. Oh, we'll find out. All right. Uh, Kayla, what do you have for 13? For 13, I have Rex Manning because fuck that guy. Fair. Very fair. I have Mitchell at 13 just because, mm. uh, I don't know, he's so inconsequential. Mm. My Mitchell ranking is going to be controversial. Uh, 13, I have <laughs> Warren. Wow. Mm. Because let me tell you what is exactly what Kayla said. They go, the cops go in the back room and they're like, well, guys, ha 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 ha, Scooby Doo ending. Warren's not really facing hard time. He'll be back by midnight. And I'm thinking, like, if I'm the customer who's like just gotten off work, my, my spouse is broken up with me, or I've lost my job, and all I want to go do is buy this fucking uh, Sheena Easton LP, and here's some fucking prepubescent shit stain pointing a gun at me. I don't need this shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's scary. I don't know if you've ever been in a real life. Um situation where people are pointing guns at each other it's fucking terrifying um i want to hear everything about that after we finish recording okay all right uh we're at number 12 yeah mm-hmm. uh, so i have burko number 12 Ooh. <laughs> sorry burko Same. he just didn't seem Same. to uh care that much that your girlfriend or maybe ex-girlfriend tried to kill herself yeah what about yeah. you Kayla? i have mitchell a number 12 Mm. I just, just yeah. I also have Burko because uh, that dude is here for a long time and not a good time, and I did not screw that up. Oh man, I feel like my ratings are going to be really um, controversial with you guys. I, I feel like my ratings are straight up problematic now, but we'll get to it. I know, right? You're this gonna have gonna Rex Manning a... so high. Aren't Ooh, you? I'd rather just it. take Rex Manning off number one real quick. <laughs> Uh, where are we at 11 I've got Eddie at 11 he seems like a cool guy but not really not a whole lot wow do you like, like anyone Eddie. in this movie Marco <laughs> let's find out <laughs> is everybody like just mostly tied for 13 and then you just have like a top three after that just a void yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like these are all interchangeable um 11 yeah yeah I have Warren at 11 hmm He's just because like, yes, the whole gun thing, I didn't put him last because I feel like there are just these moments like when he's, uh, when he's in the back after getting apprehended for shoplifting and he just has that magnet and he's just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. putting it on his, on his eyebrow or whatever. Like, that's just such a like teenage boy moment that, you know, it just felt, you know, he's not last. <laughs> he had a little bit of, a little bit of that there. Plus he did dance to ACDC. So he has at least a little bit of good music taste. Warren, future juggalo. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'll, don't get me wrong. Like for anyone who's like going to comment about this, 100% Warren is obviously like a teenager in crisis who's hurting. Oh yeah. And I, I don't want to diminish that, but also whenever you wave a firearm at people and they don't know that it's filled with blanks, that's another issue. Anyway, at 11, I have Mitchell because whatever, the guy just wants to sell bidets, man. He's not trying to kill anyone. I'm not I saying I want to hang out with them. I'm saying I love them. 
<laughs> I'm not saying I love the guy, but he, he, he's, I'm not going to give him the key of the city, but he's not like showing up in like a, like a leather vest of no shirt. And I appreciate that. Uh, number 10, I have the controversial Rex Manning. Just, uh, I mean, he, he Ooh. sucks, but I feel like he brings a certain pizzazz. Uh, oh, he was fun. He was fun, but he did fuck a teenager. So. Yeah. <laughs> the, he was fine with the response of old enough. <laughs> Which I feel like, you know, wasn't as big of a deal in the 90s as it is now, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Kayla, what's your number 10? My number 10 is Mark. Um, he's fun, but I mostly put him there just because his whole thing with um, trying to, you know, kiss that girl, yeah. um, that ballet dancer. <laughs> it just, it uh, just kind of. That and the, the yeah. poster that he's like making out with. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, I mean, the poster is one thing that's an inanimate object, but you know, this girl, he fully gives her a, you know, once over checks her ass out and then just like, tries to kiss her blindly. I don't know. It just felt, it felt weird. And like her face, she was smiling, but you could tell underneath she was really fucking creeped out. So I'd completely yeah. forgotten about that in my mind. It was more kind of uh, like a back and forth there, but definitely not. Yeah. I mean, you know, he kind of tries to save it at the end where he like pulls out the feather duster and like tickles her foot, but even still, like, I feel like that's, you know, just, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't I, want to be just randomly touched, especially in a somewhat in, intimate way with someone I didn't fucking know. Yeah. I, I would have had a very different punchy reaction. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I have Mark at number 10 as well. I feel like for exactly what you said, she kind of smiles because I think in the moment, what else is she supposed to do? But like three years later, she's going to wake up one night and be like, oh shit, that happened. Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. Like I'm not going back during that guy's shift. Yeah, I'm not going back to this record store at all. Also, now it's a music town. Or maybe she'll just go into like one of those, you know, private stalls and not, you know, yeah. just avoid them all together. She can dance in a private stall. Yeah, I feel like he'll just he'll just breathe on the glass or. <laughs> yeah, so I've I market nine because that and he's just somewhat inconsequential. He's just kind of there as like a guy you'd expect to be at a record store, but there's not a whole <laughs> lot going on with Mark, like like dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're at nine. We are. So you just did, or what's your nine and Kayla? Uh, my nine is AJ. Wow. Okay. I just, I didn't, didn't love. Well, eight and nine really can be interchangeable. I think mm-hmm. for me, didn't super love the nice guy. Um, energy about him just, you know, and it's, these rankings probably would have been different when I first saw this when I was, you know, nine or 10 and 13 in, you know, early twenties. But now at 30, I feel like I have a little bit different perspective. So gotcha. that's why he's lower. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, my number nine is um, Debbie Mazar, Jane, mm. because who is he, who even is this character? I mean, granted she doesn't sexually assault anyone. And I appreciate that. I really do. But like, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's such a nothing. She's maybe the most nothing character with her and Eddie, I think in this movie, Eddie's got a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had Jane at eight. I mean, she's got her hats. She's got her like, she's got hats, you know, her kind of beret type deal she's wearing, but yeah, not, not a ton to that character, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy for her and Joe. 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, until until they go out to okay. So did they did they go get like coffee at some all night diner after this this rave ends, or do they just go home and like have sex and then at breakfast he's just like, well, let me tell you a little bit about my romantic history. And she's <laughs> like, is there a bus station around here? You don't carry a gun, do you? <laughs> she's like, what am I doing here? I have a condo in L.A. I gotta go. I feel like she's into it. Maybe. She's like, I like messes. Yeah. I mean, she did represent Rex Manning, so. True. Uh, what's your what's your eight, Kayla? My eight is Burko. I feel like I had a little bit different reading. <laughs> I mean, again, he and AJ are kind of interchangeable. Um, he did actually listen to Deb, though, when she's like, you know, don't fucking touch me and walk away. And he did. Um, and I feel like I caught a little bit of guilt on his face when, you know, they were explaining to him, like, yeah, she has a bandage on her wrist and she just fucking shaved her head. And he did go and check on her after. So mm-hmm. that was just my read on it. Anyway, I could Yeah, I can see that. I guess I kind of read his willingness to just walk away to be like, well, that's easy. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I love least- that I, I don't need to know what Burko did to be the final like letdown in Deb's life. It's just like, I look at that guy and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I understand. <laughs> well, he is a musician and uh, they tend to be a little flippant when it comes to. And it, it may not have anything to do with like what so. he did specifically. Just like, obviously Deb was in a bad place and he was just kind of part of that. Yeah. I feel like they probably, they definitely hooked up. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely yeah. Up. he was probably just like, yeah, that was fun. Instead of, you know, giving a whole um, um, speech about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, well, that that didn't make me feel great. So, you know, again, it's it's not fully on him. So I think that's why I ranked him just a little bit higher than AJ. I think Deb needs a guy who's willing to take off his shirt in public, but he still has to have a shirt on in the first place. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, is it my yeah, eight? Did eight. everyone else do their eight? Mm-hmm. My eight, this is where I get controversial as fuck. Okay. I'm so sorry. Rex Manning. Okay. <laughs> because I don't think Gina's a teenager. That's not how she read to me. Mm. She read as an adult of consensual age who for sure was making a huge mistake. And Rex Manning was like, I am where mistakes come to play. But like. I was not expecting 100%, you to come to the defense of Rex Manning, but okay. 100% he's a scumbag, <laughs> but he's that weird villain that like i just want to see people throw pies in his face and i wish we got some of that but like i said in the in the tv show version of this i would find a reason for rex manning to come back like every week no joke what if he like got amnesia and he would just you know yes yes in the first episode then he'd come back as you know tex manning Or just like he didn't know that any of the before stuff happened. He didn't know like what a douche he was and he was just kind of lost and funny, you know? Like, I, like that's really reminding me the of something. I just can't think of what right now. It isn't that kind of, isn't there some movie or TV show where there's like a huge douchebag character who gets amnesia? Oh my God. Is it the UK version of Skins? Well, you uh, amnesia, I guess. It's more like. Oh, Tony? Edge. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Holt? Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, how good was Skins? That little, that little bisexual nightmare. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I would love to see this character like take his elongated comeuppance. Um, I would rather see whatever they could do with Rex Manning than I would like to see David Fincher do a cancel culture miniseries. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, just the what fun this film would be like to play with and like fuck around with. Yeah. I mean, he did have some funny moments, mm. you know, like, does your mom still have her all of her teeth? <laughs> what? Never mind. <laughs> also, I regained respect for him because I wouldn't have sat in that chair either. It's a weird chair, man. It was supposed to be like this, you know, pseudo throne, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got uh, AJ at number seven, just because mm. there's not a whole lot there, really, other than he has a crush on Corey. Mm. And he's artistic. Yeah. I think his, his gluing the quarters, the ground thing is probably like the, this great moment of the movie. That was great. My uh, my dad did that a couple times as a prank, and uh, it was fucking hilarious to watch people just like random strangers on the street try and pick up super glued quarters to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, James, uh, I don't feel like I need to explain my art to you, Warren. <laughs> oh, I just thought of what I was thinking of. I think I was thinking of um, uh, what's his face, uh, Kenneth Branagh in the second Harry Potter movie getting obliviated. Um, I can't think of that character's name right now, but when he has like amnesia and he's just Lockhart, Lockhart yeah, when he's like a, a, a goofball, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. That's how it's here. Yeah, it's something meaning. like that. Because he, he kind of has Rex Manning energy. I like that we're thinking of the UK skins and you're thinking of Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never seen skins. It just seems like more of a you show than a me show. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get to Stretch. Okay. Or Sketch. What was her name? What was her I name? Didn't, I didn't watch the... I watched like... Because it's like... it's. It's two seasons following one group, basically. Right. Two seasons following another, and then two seasons following a third, and then they have like a three, um, like future episodes. So Which... I, I totally skipped on the very last set, like two seasons of like the most recent group, and none of them were included in the future episodes. So I don't feel like I really missed much. Uh, all I've gotten from Heather Hogan is that the the three future episodes are a hellscape. Oh, I um, I'm dumb, actually. Really? Okay. <laughs> Um, I stuck with the second generation only because Effie continued. Yes. Uh, oh, Kaya And t- speaking yeah, of she, characters she who know things. that they're in a TV show, to me, <laughs> Effie was like kind of what I wanted Mona and PLL to become. Yeah. Like, like if Mona just like turned to the camera at one point and winked, oh my god, I would have, I would have been dead. Splish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where are we at? Seven. Um, do I need to give my number seven? Yeah, I think it's your turn. Issues? Sorry, uh, Jane is my number seven. She's not in a lot, but um, what she is in, I, I do like. I just kind of like her whole her whole vibe and her whole energy more than like Burke or AJ's. So that's why she brings higher. I'll say this for Debbie Mazar, and I completely forgot about this. She's got those kind of blue eyes, like the um, the what's her name on PLO, where like they seem like a, yeah, they seem like a special effect. Yeah. Um, my number seven is AJ because all the reasons that that you've you've both mentioned, but also. I do appreciate that we have seen this nice guy character much, much worse. True. Like, I do appreciate that he doesn't give her the kind of shit that I was thinking he was going to give her on rewatch. Mm-hmm. You know, he just like, you know, forget I said anything and he walks off. I, I, well, I do I appreciate think this that. This character in the 90s was not intended to be um, villainous in any way. Like, this was like the the, the heartthrob character, you know, like it was just like a different it, time back then when, like, this was and wounded yeah yeah it it really was but i think it also kind of set up um at least in young women's minds mm-hmm. like mine at the time um 
you know, some maybe not healthy patterns in the future. Yeah, no, I mean, really, also, really bad in retrospect that this was like the model for romance for so many people. But again, you know, we just we really didn't really didn't know. Um, we didn't. But the, I wish that the the broken minds of young men like myself in the 90s recognized like, hey, AJ, check out what Deb's up to. Like, uh, that sounds like more like your scene, buddy. Right. The heat. The heat. Yeah. A lot of heat there. What's your six, James? Uh, did you do your seven? Yeah, it's AJ. Okay. Uh, my number six is Warren. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yes, I know he uh, is uh, basically like a psychotic uh, store shooter. But other than that, I found him a lot of fun. <laughs> he was, I think he was a good portrayal of a character that really belonged in this movie and in this time period. Hmm. He's definitely like grown up. Like uh, he's unrecognizable in like Russian Doll. Wait, who did he play in Russian Doll? He's the homeless guy that she keeps running into. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that earlier, and I was going to come back to it because I could not place him whatsoever in that. He like he did the Anthony Michael Hall thing where he hit the gym real, real hard and drank his milk. Mm. All right, who do you- and then showed up on Community later. Yeah. Um, who do you go for six, Kayla? I have Lucas as number six. Um, there's stuff I like about Lucas. There's stuff I don't like about Lucas, which is kind of why he lives in the middle right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the adult me just wants to, you know, discipline the shit out of him. But, um, you know, for this, for this movie, I, I do think that, um, that he definitely works. And I mean, really the whole, um, plot kind of relies on his actions. So, mm-hmm. Here we are. Uh, my number six, this is where I cheat, is the year 1995. What a magical fucking like theme park. I would love to go back. Yeah. All right. Clean years, baby. Yeah. Uh, Good smoke indoors. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, Corey at number five here. Um, a little, a little bit crazy, maybe. But I don't know. Liz Tyler, iconic outfit somewhat the i don't know i don't know who i guess it's mostly an ensemble i don't know if you'd say one character really the lead more than another but she's definitely one of the main leads according to the poster yeah yeah Yeah, and i feel like you know she has the um one of the like really the only romantic or one of the you know the main romantic storyline which kind of you know Mm -hmm. automatically slots her into that lead female role well and like it's like AJ somehow usurps her, like her unrequited, like crowd. Like she has that storyline of Rex Manning, and then it's like somehow AJ's like, no, I'm the more tortured, wounded, romantic at heart. Yeah. 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 Um, my number five was Eddie, actually. Wow. Okay. I, wow. wow. Okay. Okay. So he brings everybody, well, at least Mark, but he probably gave everybody else really good weed brownies. <laughs> he brought everybody pizza. He gets real with AJ when he's like, dude, you and Corey are like living in different worlds. He, he just tries to help out where he can. He shows that one kid, like the, you know, the magic of records and of music. He's also talking to Mark about music. He may, when he bring, brings Mark the weed brownies, he also brings him a tape 
of all these great um, musicians. And like, he's the one who talks about music the most. And I just, I couldn't really, yeah, he's, he's sort of inconsequential, but I just, I mean, I really like Eddie. Plus he probably has really great weed. So, you know, solid hang out with him. Also, I like that Eddie, like the, uh, the special, the special recipe or whatever, which, you know, <laughs> means lots of sugar. Yeah. It's really like a delivery mechanism so that Mark will listen to his mixtape. <laughs> yeah. Any, uh, is, is Guar on that mixtape? Oh no. He was watching no, the music video. no. Oh, I right. feel like Mark Sorry. is just like, he just like tosses the mixtape and it's just like, I'm just going to eat this uh, brownie. Like it's like my last meal on earth. Yeah. And there's that one scene too, where he just, uh, it's like right after um, Corey and Gina fight outside the restaurant and he comes up to Corey and he's just like, you know, talking to her and trying to make conversation. She's like, oh, fucking not now. He's like, what did I do? And he pulls up. He's like, hey, you dropped your thingy. And just like, pulls up this red bra. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was a fun little I moment. And I just don't I do have that. anything. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I, I know. I hate when I leave my bra places. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't feel like I really could have anything really actual bad to say about any. So okay. I like him. Excellent. All right, Marco, who's your five? Uh, I will echo you, James. My five is Corey. Um, I feel like I went into this rewatch thinking Corey would be like much higher Mm -hmm. and she's not. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Liv. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this one, I don't know. I feel like I could have rated her higher, but I, I, I'm guessing you guys might have her higher. I've got uh, Deb at number four here. What? Sorry, Marco. Uh, I mean, I really liked her character. But I just felt like in a, in a power ranking, she didn't get quite as much as some of the other characters above here. I can see that. Who do you have, Kayla? My number four is Corey. So not uh, not too far mm-hmm. off from you guys. Like, I just, I like, I mean, she's a little crazy mm-hmm. and I do like that. Um, but yeah, she... Uh, yeah, she's just number four. I don't have much else mm-hmm. yeah. to say. And again, kind of like Marco, I, I feel like I, I thought I would have rated her higher and she's, mm-hmm. you know, on the front and she just seems like, you know, the girl, but I was um, surprised at my um, my switching of uh, characters in this after rewatch. So. Yeah, like dream 90s girlfriend, maybe, I don't know, not given as much to do as, as you would hope. Um, yeah. My number four, I don't know. I feel like this will be controversial with the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Joe. Wow. Okay. Here's the thing about Joe. Um, and I've had plenty of like bosses or people who were higher up on the totem pole than me that I really liked them until I got to know them better. And then I realized that they might be like Joe, somebody I would love to go get a drink with, but maybe I don't trust a business in the hands of. There's just like big corporate energy from you right now. <laughs> yeah. Why are you? Yeah. The man, Marco. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. I'm in a weird place. I have, don't get me wrong. I would totally have drums in my house right now just to decompress if I could. Yeah, I've got Joe at three. Um, Joe's a lot of fun. Seems like a cool boss. Uh, he'll beat you up uh, if you uh, screw up at work, but he won't fire you. So it seems mm. like yeah. a fair trade. True. Um, Gina's my number three. I, I really enjoyed Gina. I really liked her character. Um, she got slut shamed way more than she should have been she's a girl having fun exploring her options and uh owning her sexuality and i think that should be celebrated so just number three uh gina's also my number three um i was shocked 
I completely forgot. Like my mind never produced whatever the memory that this was Renee Zellweger. Is, I, oh, yeah. is she the biggest star from this movie? Like her or Liv Tyler, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's got I don't two know. Oscars, like it's, so I feel like she wins. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well, and and she is the star of you know Bridget Jones mm. and Nurse Betty and and Nurse Betty. other movies. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun movie, man. Um, whereas Liv is like, yeah, she's in there with the Lord of the Rings cast, but like they kind of again saddle her with this like girlfriend role. And you think about it, Strider is basically the AJ of the Lord of the Rings that's, crew. That's not fair. How dare you? <laughs> He's just like, Gimli, I don't think I need to explain my war to you. So just as a little side note real quick with uh, with Gina and Renee Zellweger. So when I first saw this movie, I caught like just the very end of it. I think my brother was watching it and mm-hmm. he was finishing it. So he didn't you know, restart it because this is back in VHS and he had to rewind and it was a pain in the ass. So um, I caught the very end and I, for some, you know, I, for some reason, saw Gina singing at the very end. And I thought that it was Joey Lauren Adams. <laughs> so because they were, I think they were both in days and confused. They look pretty similar. They both sing. And so I just, you know, I just had that in my head. So when I like, you know, did a full watch of it, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that, it took me a little while, like longer than it probably should have to realize that it was her name. So but yeah. Oh, we're at number two. I've got mm-hmm. Lucas at number two. Sorry, guys. Even though Damn. I feel like his character needs a lot of work, I, I feel like he brought a lot to the table. A lot of good quotable yeah. moments. Do you see any of yourself in Lucas? No. Okay. Are you sure? Like, you're not, like, just, like, like turning away from the microphone and, like, looking at the camera and being, like, can you believe they think I'm, like, Lucas or whatever? No, no, I don't see myself as Lucas at all, but I feel like he he's kind of the center in the movie in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah, he really is. There wouldn't be a whole lot of plot, I feel like, without him. So, yeah. Um, my number two is Joe. I really, yes. especially on this rewatch, I love his whole like dad boss energy, his DILF energy, if I'm being honest. Um, he can play the drums really well. Uh, and, you know, he he has this great, like, he's just a perfect boss for this group of people. Um, I just really like I really like Joe, especially on this this rewatch. I think it's the highest he's probably ranked on any of my rewatches. Nice. I can't I can't wait till you get the uh, like annual evaluation from Joe. <laughs> 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 um, my number two again. I'm going to cheat here, but I don't think I don't think you can fault it. The soundtrack, baby. Mm. The motherfucking soundtrack. That is cheating. Yes. Uh, so my number one is Gina. I just thought that she really kind of owned the movie. She got all the juiciest bits. And um, I think her character was probably the most fleshed out. Um, I just ended up liking her a lot on the rewatch. Yeah. I do like some Gina too. Um, unsurprisingly, my number one is Deb. Excellent. She's yep. badass. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, I, you know, I and a lot of other people I think could... Uh, feel a bit more like her i mean minus the you know suicide attempts and stuff but um i really like her i like how she's glib and uh just you know totally stood up to warren with the gun and um i just love dad all yep. around robin yep. tenney just fucking killed it too 
Robin Tunney is another one of those those actors who like what a career we she deserved and we did not give her. I mean, how did she get stuck in End of Days? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Deb for Life. She's my number one. I mm-hmm. would not expecting going to this rewatch whatsoever to like vibe with Deborah as much as I did. Mm-hmm. But holy fuck, she really saves the name Deborah from a fucking baby driver or whatever. Baby driver. <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, uh, Lily James's character's name is is Deborah. Okay, wow, coming for Lily James out of nowhere. Sorry, Lily James, coming at you. You're not safe. Robin Tunney also in the uh, Tom Petty uh, video for Swingin'. It's a great video. Who is it in Mary Jane's Last Dance? Is that Kim Basinger? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, Deb Deb was great. I I was tempted to rank her number one, but I was trying to I guess focus a little more on like who was contributing most. I guess to the movie, but yeah, I really liked mm. it. All right. Well, that was Empire Records. That was a lot of fun. It had been probably at least 20 years since I saw this movie. So it's a fun rewatch. Yeah. The same. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for picking that. Um, before we go, I suppose we can, uh, you know, blow a spoiler horn for the book, Trouble Finds Me. Uh, go to troublealsfindsme.com if you want more information. It's a murder mystery. Uh, we are going to talk some spoilers for it now. So stop listening if you've not read the book. <laughs> So I guess this is to both of you guys is your, um, I mean, James, you're obviously more trouble, right? And, uh, Mark, I assume you identify more with danger. Well, what a good question. Hmm. I don't know, James, what do you think? Um, I would actually, well, that's tough because I'd say the other way around. I'd say the other all, way around. All, really? all the characters are a little bit me, I suppose, but I'm probably more of an Eliza. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Yeah, because I I feel like she's an outlet for me to put a little bunch of like nerdy references in because she's she's yeah. kind of supposed to be the one who's more kind of I don't know into like kind of geek and nerd culture, whereas like seemingly Jenny is somewhat unaware of anything except for trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I only say that because like hearing you talk about Allison, mm-hmm. I feel like the way that Jenny deals with her enemies is how. <laughs> Allison deals with her enemy, so I think that's maybe just where I made the that connection. Yeah, that's fair. And then when when then when danger was brought in, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that is maybe you know maybe the James to uh, or sorry the um, the Marco to you know troubles James. Yeah, I don't know, Marco. Would you say uh, there's any particular character that you identify with? Oh, probably Jenny. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got enemies that you've never heard of. You know why? Because they're dead. Okay. I have a couple theories. I don't know if um, you want to do that offline or or not. Uh, why don't you go ahead and hit us with one, then we'll sign off and we can talk more offline. Okay, so the one that I do have that isn't like the bigger one is that I feel like um, <clears throat> the night that uh, AJ was murdered, I feel like maybe Jack and Dina were doing something probably sexual and that's why she doesn't want to talk about it and um and it kind of explains the uh the reaction that they have the next day i don't know or well not the next day but when jenny shows up that's just a theory i know you can't say yes or no but yeah you know there's a podcast i used to listen to a game of thrones one where one of the guys had read the books and one had not and so whenever the guy who had not read the books would speculate on something the guy who knew would just say mildly interesting no matter 
no matter whether he's totally on the mark or completely off, you would mm-hmm. all say, well, it's mildly interesting just to never give anything away. So I can just say mildly it. interesting. All right. I'll take it. And again, I'm not expecting any answers. It's just... <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, well, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, I think if we ever do Thanks. Can't Hardly Wait, we may have to get you back on. It was a lot of fun. I yes, would please. love that. I would love or, that so much. In a way, too, I almost want to say Reality Bites as well, just because I feel like I won't come to that with the same nostalgia at all. No, and we can we can shit on that one a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Reality, in a fun Reality way. Bites has always felt like a movie for my older mm-hmm. sister. Who was like three years older than me? It was like that was her movie, but it was like a little too old for me. They just felt like old people to me at the time that it came out. Like, even though they're only like eight years older than me. But also, you were talking about smoking earlier, Kayla. There's something about, I think we always idolize men who smoke and how cool they look, but Winona Ryder looked fucking cool for cigarette. Winona Ryder, everything in that movie is, yeah. I mean, she is absolutely wonderful. You she, know? she broke me in that movie and she still has the pieces. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she, like, I think that's mostly what I remember and what I love so much about that movie um, is Winona Ryder. Um, and I just, I mean, of course, Janine Garofalo's character, who I, I more identify with for sure. Um, but yeah, just, she just, she fucking owns it. And uh, I don't know if she's ever really looked better. All right. Not that it's all that matters, but. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, until next time, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week. Um, uh, should we say what we're doing, Marco? Yeah, we are staying in the 90s. Uh, we are doing the Lilo Parent Trap. Yeah. Nice. So you can watch that to uh, prepare yourself if you'd like. Mm-hmm. All right. Which I believe is on Disney Plus. I think so, yeah. Should be handy. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good one. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks. Bye bye.